0: Hey there, everybody. Angela Bowen here, the host of many TV show podcasts from the 80s and 90s, including All My Lanta, Holy Chalupas, an unofficial Full House Fuller House podcast, Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast, (laughs) Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast, as well as She's a Small Wonder, Small Wonder podcast, there, there's just so many podcasts that I've started and completed and started and stopped, and it's just. But I actually did. I'm doing another one of these. It is a book review podcast episode. I did one, I believe, back in the fall. Before that, I did one in the summer. No, wait. It was early spring. Yeah, that's right. So I thought, you know what? Why not do book review, you know, kind of go over what I've read. I'm going to be flat out honest here and tell you all 2021 has not been the best reading year for me. If you've been a long-time podcast listener, you all know Our situation back in February due to the Texas storm, our apartment flooded thanks to the apartment next to us. We ended up staying in a hotel, which we are currently in right now, going on, you know, four and a half months. (laughs) Finally, we're going to be moving into another apartment. Thank goodness. So once I get all settled in the new place, I will kind of do another podcast life update and kind of let you guys know. How where things are at? How things are going? How I'm readjusting, and how my beautiful cat here <laughs> is readjusting to moving again. So she has made a lot of moves. She moved from Michigan to Texas in September of 2020. In February 2021, she moved from uh, an apartment to a hotel, and now she's going to be moving from a hotel room to. Again, So, yes, a lot of changes going on. But I just thought, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start with 2021, of course, in January and kind of go through the books that I read. Anything that I'm just like, "Eh, I didn't really care for it. I'm just, I'm not even going to mention. Also, I'm going to go into books that I have in my TBR that are going to be coming up releases that I have an interest in reading. Books I'm looking forward to reading. So, Let me take a sip of my pop. My mouth's already getting dry. Mm. Okay. First book I finished in January of 2021. Actually, I finished it on January 1st of 2021. It's an adult historical fiction book. It's called The Lost Letter by Jillian Cantor. This was released June 13th, 2017. The book's about 322 pages. Alright, so as always, I will read the synopsis. A heartbreaking, heartwarming historical novel of love, survival, love and survival, inspired by real resistance workers during World War II Austria. And the mysterious love letter that connects generations of Jewish families. For readers of The Nightingale, Lilac Girls, and Sarah's Key, I actually, of the three of those, I've only read Sarah's Key. I saw the movie. It was amazing. Uh, it just breaks your heart. Um, I will get to The Nightingale. My sister has read uh, a lot of Kristen Hannah books. And she's like, when are you going to get to that? It's so good. I'm like, I know, I know, I will. I will get to it. it it's a lengthy book. But so is Lila. Lila Girl. They're all, the, these books are all around World War II historical fiction. So, <clears throat> okay. Austria, 1938. Christoph is a young apprentice to a master Jewish stamp engraver. When his teacher disappears during... Oh my goodness, I can't, I, I'm not even going to be able to pronounce this. Kristallnacht? K-R-I-S-T-A-L-L-N-A-C-H-T. Christoph is forced to engrave stamps for the Germans and simultaneously works alongside Elena, his beloved teacher's fiery daughter. And with the Austrian resistance to send underground messages and forge papers, as he falls for Elena amidst the brutal chaos of war, Christoph must find a way to save her and himself. Alright, so this is going to be a dual... Novel, not just a dual narration, but it's going to be two separate time periods. So, we also have Los Angeles, 1989. Katie Nelson is going through a divorce, and while cleaning out her house and life in the aftermath, she comes across the stamp collection of her father, who recently went into a nursing home. When an appraiser, Benjamin, discovers an unusual World War II era Austria. Austrian stamp placed on an old love letter as he goes through her dad's collection. Katie and Benjamin are sent on a journey together that will uncover a story of passion and tragedy spanning decades and continents behind the just-fallen Berlin Wall. A beautiful, poignant, and devastating novel, the love... The Lost Letter shows the lasting power of love. I really like this book. I, I'm just, I'm a sucker for anything World War II and and romance and just survival. Looks like that. Goodbye, Mr. Trupp. This is the fourth book in the Because of Mr. Trupped or Mr. Trupped series. I'm not going to read the synopsis because it does, if you haven't read the series, it's going to give a lot away and I don't want to do that. But I highly recommend it if this is the conclusion to that. It's not just a series. I guess four is like a quartet. Is that how it's... Is that what four books are? So, yeah. I also have some books that I did read for February's Black History Month, the first one, I loved this, The Only Black Girls in Town, this is by Brandy Colbert, this book was released March 10th, 2020, 368 pages. Uh, I finished this January 7th. Alright, award-winning YA author Brandy Colbert's debut middle-grade novel. Yeah, because I believe she uh, writes a lot of YA, so this is her first. Okay. I, I apologize for the pauses and the stopping <laughs> and everything. Alright. Debut middle-grade novel about the only two black girls in town who discover a collection of hidden journals revealing shocking secret- secrets of the past. Beach-loving surfer Alberta has been the only black girl in town for years. Alberta's best friend, Laramie, is the closest thing she has to a sister. But there are some things even Laramie can't understand. When the bed and breakfast across the street finds new owners, Alberta is ecstatic to learn the family is black and they have a 12-year-old daughter just like her. Alberta is positive she and the new girl, Edie, will be fast friends, but while Alberta loves being a California girl, Edie misses her native Brooklyn and finds it hard to adapt to small-town living. When the girls discover a box of old journals in Edie's attic, they team up to figure out exactly who's behind them and why they got left behind. Soon they discover shocking and painful secrets of the past and learn that nothing is quite what it seems. Another thing I'm a sucker for, people finding journals from the past and going into, you know, you know, books that are set in the present, but also in the past, but definitely people finding old journals is just, that is pure gold to me. I love it. I love it. I love it. Another thing that this book doesn't say in the synopsis is that the character, Alberta, has two gay fathers, which there is representation right there. And I I love it. I loved her dads. I thought they were awesome. Also, the relationship that Alberta has with her, her, uh, the the surrogate that her dad's used. So basically her mother, who is coming to stay with her husband, who are going to be having a baby. And I just, ah. I just, I loved it. I just, I thought this book was so, so good. Of course, every book always has to have a snobby girl that's always, like, picking on the main character, which is (laughs) like, Yes, I definitely, I mean, and the thing is, you don't have to read these books just during Black History Month. You can read them whenever. Okay, the next book, and I had this book on my shelf for quite a bit. I don't know what kind of kept me from reading it. Um, this does deal with a preteen who is dealing with, I don't want to call them, um, you know, trigger warning, suicidal thoughts or anything like that, but she is in therapy and her therapist is helping her work through what she's going through, but the synopsis is going to explain that a lot better than I could. This book was released October tenth, twenty seventeen. Sparrow. See, I love another thing. I love characters have a- that have awesome names that you wouldn't normally come across in everyday life. Sparrow has always had a difficult time making friends. I immediately glued onto that. I. Characters that are so much similar to how I was growing up, I glom onto that like nobody's business. Sparrow has always had a difficult time making friends. She would always rather have stayed home on the weekends with her mother, an affluent IT executive at a Brooklyn bank, reading or watching the birds, than playing, than playing with the other kids. And that's made school a lonely experience for her. It's made life a lonely experience. But when the one teacher who really understood her, Mrs. Wexler, the school librarian, a woman who let her eat her lunch in the library office rather than hide in the bathroom stall, a woman who shared her passion for novels and knew just the ones she'd love, is killed in a freak car accident. Sparrow's world unravels, and she's found on the roof of her school in an apparent suicide attempt. With the help of an insightful therapist, Sparrow finally reveals the truth of her inner life and it's here that she discovers an outlet an outlet in rock and roll. I really honestly like her therapist. She uses music to try to help bring Sparrow, you know, kind of get her to, you know, open up. And I know there's some therapists out there that try to go that route with kids, try to be, like, youthful and cool and everything to get them to open up. But, I mean, it it does take a while for Sparrow to trust this woman. And Sparrow does have the mentality of, um... I don't know whether you you would refer to it as a flight-or-fight situation where... And I'm honestly the same way. When things get stressful, that urge to want to just turn around and just leave or or, or run or just that that feeling of things just kind of hitting you all at once. Another thing that I look like and I'm not calling this a trope but I love this is when characters that find refuge in the library the librarian takes said person under their wing, you know, lets them eat lunch instead of a bathroom stall. It just, and, and it, you know, helps Sparrow, you know, it's like the librarian knows what books this girl would be interested in reading just based, you know, and it's just, I, I loved, I, we, honestly, I swear the librarians are the unsung heroes of the, of the world in the school system. They re- And I really feel we need more representation of librarians helping students. I just, I think it's great. I love, any book that has a character that loves to read, I am on that like a dog on a bone. I just, I gravitate to it. I mean, don't you usually, when you you want to read about a character that's similar to yourself... A character that likes the same things you like Or had the same experiences you had growing up Stuff like that But Sparrow, yeah, she does have major, major anxiety She actually is given the chance And I say it's a smidge of a spoiler But if you don't want to hear, you can fast forward Um, She's given the opportunity to go to a rock and roll camp and learn how to play instruments and it's just for anyone that is has social anxiety is and it's very hard to try something new with people you don't know i am exactly like that this is beyond nerve-wracking but in some way she is able to make friends and learn different instruments and just listen to different kinds of music and just bond with other girls that surprisingly are similar to, they are going through things that aren't quite that different than what Sparrow is going through. I mean, one girl, I don't know whether she has an eating disorder or she's just is an issue with, with eating and, a problem with her mom and every there's one character like that and I do not I d I don't I don't wanna honestly spoil any any more than that. I just I the it just sad that like the one person that Sparrow could, you know, count on and just felt comfortable with sadly passed away. And it just throws her whole world out of loop. But I definitely would recommend this a hundred percent. Now this book, oh my gosh, I, I'm looking forward to future books from this author. This author is, hold on, did I say the author? Okay. Sarah Moon wrote Sparrow. Okay, good. I want to make sure I'm saying the author's name. Okay. This next book, this came out January 12th, 2021. This is a novel in verse, which I don't have a problem with novels in verse. Um, Ellen Hopkins, who mainly writes YA, also some adult, but she's ventured into middle grade. I, I devour her books in the reverse, and I just whip through them so fast. But, oh, this book is so good. This book is called Alone by Megan E. Freeman. As I said, it was released January 12th, 2021. When 12-year-old Maddie hatches a scheme for a secret sleepover with her two best friends, she ends up waking up to a nightmare. She's alone, left behind in a town that has been mysteriously evacuated and abandoned. With no one to rely on, no power, and no working phone lines or internet access, Maddie slowly learns to survive on her own. Her only companions are a Rottweiler named George and all the books she can read. After a rough start, Maddie learns to trust her own ingenuity and invents clever ways to survive in a place that has been deserted and forgotten. As months pass, she escapes natural disasters, looters, and wild animals. But Maddie's most formidable enemy is the crushing loneliness she faces every day. Can Maddie's stubborn will to survive carry her through the most frightening experience of her life? This book was incredible. On just so many levels. So... The thing is, with Maddie, her parents are divorced, and she lives in two separate households. And the island, um, I'm trying to think of where exactly she lives, because now I can't remember, you know, this (laughs) is half a year ago that I read this, but um, she and her friends, you know, they're going to have a little secret sleepover, because I guess her grandparents have a condo or something that they're not currently using at the moment. So, Maddie thinks, hey, I'm going to go over to, you know, she devises a plan, tells her dad, like, hey, I'm going to stay at mom's. She tells her mom, hey, I'm going to stay at dad's this weekend. So, she's got her plan perfectly of, hey, I'm going to go hang out at Grandpa grandma's house. No one's there. I can run by my two friends. We'll, you know, hang out, watch movies. We'll we'll eat, you know, pig out on snacks and whatever and soda and just have fun. Um, (laughs) and something happens that, uh, results in something that she definitely could not have foreseen happening. And she does wind up alone and she has to rely on her instincts. Just like the the, the summary says, she has to rely on her instincts to survive, you know. Day to day, what are the things that usually you look for? Okay, you're gonna have to survive. You gotta have food. You gotta have water. You gotta have shelter. Because in a world where electronics, internet ain't gonna do you no good. Because eh, something's going on. There's no electri- electricity. There's none. There's none. I honestly think that your instincts automatically would kick in. It's like the main things you gotta find is you know shelter, food, water. And I love the Rottweiler George. Actually, it was a neighbor's dog that was just kind of in a house by itself. Like I guess the dog had been forgotten. I don't want to um, go too much into detail about how she winds up alone, because that's going to spoil stuff, and I don't want to do that to you. All I'm going to say is, if you want a fun book that is just going to take you on a wild ride and really, like, keep you on the edge of your seat, your seat, this is that book for you. I know I didn't do it with the others, but let's start. Let's kind of... I'll quickly go over some of these covers. So Alone is, automatically, you get a winter feel. You get a winter feel because it looks like there's snow on the ground. We have the character Maddie. She has got a backpack on. She's got a coat. She's got a walking stick. She's got a fuzzy winter hat. You got George the Rottweiler right next to her. You have these Kind of like mini, you know, pine trees. And we have the sun. Almost like it's in the morning and the sun is up and it's glinting off the snow. This cover's beautiful. Whoever illustrated it, kudos to you. You did a dang good job. The Only Black Girls in Town, the cover there is pretty much a purplish blue sky background with three cloud light white poofy clouds. And we have what looks like... It's kind of a beige bottom there where it would probably be sand. We see Alberta and we see Edie. Alberta is dressed in overalls and a pink hoodie. And Edie, of course, is donning all black. Black tights, black boots, black knit cap, black sunglasses. So it tells how the girls are very... Very different from each other. As far as, you know, how they're dressed. You got someone from Brooklyn. We got Edie from Brooklyn. We got Alberta from California. The Mr. Trupped books, I will say, actually did get a a redo on their covers and they look really amazing. The covers actually, I'm going to tell you right now, do give way to some of the plot points of the characters. And the Mr. Trupped books... There, gosh, I'm trying to think. There's like at least six to seven character point of views, seven different students. We have a gold medal. We have a pair of safety scissors with uh breast cancer awareness ribbon. We got some dice. We have a whistle. We have a lunchbox that has a whistle along the side. It has a post-it note that says book four. There's a microphone in the lunchbox. There's also a book of poetry. And the tagline says, there's no such thing as a true goodbye. With the book Sparrow, we have kind of a peach font that says Sparrow. Underneath, there's a silhouette of a girl with her hair up in a bun on the top of her head. We also see a apartment building with fire escapes along the side of it. We see... Telephone poles with birds. We also see music notes. We see colors of the sky with the the light blue, the white clouds, the pinkish, peachish color. So it could be like early morning. Could be. I'm thinking early morning, but just kind of looking at the the covers now does give you a little insight as to. Character. Yeah, it does definitely focus on birds. Also, in this book, the character Sparrow loves to watch birds. Alright, The next book I read is in February. It is entitled Something to Say. This book cover is pretty cool. It's got a um a young black girl about twelve years old. She is wearing overalls, blue overalls, and a pink shirt. Her hair is you know really you know, frizzy, um, you know, around her face, we see a lined piece of paper, something to say. The title of the book is in pink font. It also has a podium with a microphone. This book was released July 14th, 2020. Lisa Moore, and I know I'm going to pronounce the (laughs) author's name wrong. Is it Rame? R-A-M-E? E-E, and the first E has a hash mark above it, so I'm going to read the synopsis, and then I'm going to read, I wrote a cute little review about it, because I only leave reviews for books I just absolutely, like, ugh, I can't stop gushing about this book. Mm. Okay. From the author of A Good Kind of Trouble, a Walter Dean Myers honor book, comes another unforgettable story about finding your voice. And Finding Your People. Perfect for fans of Sharon Draper, Meg Medina, and Jason Reynolds. 11-year-old Janae doesn't have any friends, and she's just fine with that. She's so good at being invisible in school, it's almost like she has a superpower. Like her idol, Astrid Dane. At home, Janae has plenty of company, like her no-nonsense mama. Her older brother, Malcolm, who is home from college, after a basketball injury, and her beloved grandpa, Gee. it Gee or Gee? Gee. I'm just going to say Gee. Then a new student shows up at school, a boy named Aubrey, with fiery red hair and a smile that won't quit. Janae can't figure out why he keeps popping up everywhere she goes. The more she tries to push him away, the more he seems determined to be her friend. Despite herself, Janae starts getting used to having him around. But when the two are paired up for a class debate about the proposed name change for their school, Janae knows this new friendship has an expiration date. Aubrey is desperate to win and earn a coveted spot on the debate team. There's just one problem. Janae would do almost anything to avoid speaking up in front of an audience, including risking the first real friendship she's ever had. So yes, I rated this five stars. I'm going to read this little review that I wrote. This book was so beautifully written. From the story, the characters Janae, Aubrey, Malcolm, Guy, and Tia Rosalie, Mr. Humphreys, and the rest of Janae's family. The heart and illustrations, everything about this book spoke to me on so many levels. My dad was a big fan of John Wayne back in the day. Uh, Janae's school is named after John Wayne, and the proposal is that they change the name because, I guess, whether it's true or not, mostly if John Wayne was racist? I mean, and I didn't know. I had no idea. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> My dad was a big fan of John Wayne back in the day, and I had no idea of the controversy surrounding his public opinion. And sadly, I had never heard of Sylvia Mendez until I read this book. But you better believe I looked her up and was shocked to hear about her story. I could relate to Janae and the fear of public speaking in class when I was growing up. It really stressed me out. Believe me, I know about stress sweat. The one thing that stresses me out as an adult are job interviews, especially when you haven't done one in years. Everyone needs a friend like Aubrey. Granted... Yes, he was a bit outspoken and loud, overly excited, but that boy loved with his whole heart, and he saw something in Janae that took her a while to realize. She had the power of her voice, she just needed the chance to raise her voice and know the world wasn't going to end when she did. It's hard to go back to being alone when someone works so hard to be in your life. This book will stay with me long after I put it back on the shelf. I would highly recommend it for Black History Month and any time of the year. Yeah, I read this book from January 19th to January 24th. So didn't take me long to get through it because I just, I flew through it. That's what, that's what you do when you love your books. You fly through them. Okay, I'm going to get some water here because this pop is doing nothing for me. The next book I read in January, I read quite a few books in January. See, I was going strong and then this whole Texas winter storm slash... Move into a hotel for four months, just kind of like everything kind of skidded to a halt, and it's just like all about readjusting to a different place of living and whatnot. So, The Sea in Winter by Christine Day. This book is go- the cover, oh, it's so gorgeous. We have the main character, Maisie, we have her standing in what looks like. A forest covered in snow. We see the branches of the trees nearby are also covered with snow. And she's wearing a red winter jacket. Also a red hat with a little white, like, fuzz bob top thing on it. A little fuzzy thing on the top. And then you see also that the hat she's wearing is also got snowflakes on it but it's just it's gorgeous it's called the sea and winter which i love their colors of it's not really it's like a evergreen bluish green color and the font is just beautiful i just it makes you think of winter it definitely does so this book was released january 5th 2021 I had to go to Amazon to get the description of the book for whatever reason. It's not letting me hit, like, the read more to have the entire synopsis, so I had to go to Amazon. In this evocative and heartwarming novel for readers who loved The Thing About Jellyfish, the author of I Can Make This Promise, which I also do have that book, I haven't read it yet, tells the story of a Native American girl struggling to find her joy again. It's been a hard year for Maisie Cannon. Ever since she hurt her leg and could not keep up with her ballet training and audition. So this is basically about a character who enjoys ballet. Sadly, she had to stop because she had a leg injury. Her blended family is loving and supportive, but Maisie knows that they're That they just can't understand how hopeless she feels. With everything she's dealing with, Maisie is not excited for their family midwinter road trip along the coast near Micaiah community, near the Micaiah community where her mother grew up. But soon, Maisie's anxieties and dark moods start to hurt as much as the pain in her knee. How can she keep pretending to be strong when on the inside she feels as roiling and cold as the ocean? So, I'm just going to give you guys a heads up. It's not so much a spoiler. Her family situation is her mom remarried after her father passed away. Maisie really doesn't know a lot about her dad other than what her mom has told her. And her mother married... Maisie's now stepfather, and they also have a son together. So, by blended family, she also has a a half-sibling and a stepfather. The fact that they're making this trek, they go on a ferry, and they go out into the woods. All the meanwhile, Maisie has this injury. She's been doing physical therapy. She's been going to the doctor and everything, in hopes that she will be able to rejoin her ballet troupe. And, and hopefully in this the fall. Like, after some, you know, PT and all that stuff. But, um, and they're and around in the woods. It's like, she's got this injury. It's like, that is... I would not be doing that. I mean, the doctor did give her the okay. It's like, yeah, that's fine. You can, you know, go on your trip. Just, you gotta be careful. And I can imagine, you know, and it also, it deals a lot... As it says in the summary, Maisie is dealing with a lot of dark moods. Depression as a result of this injury seeing her friends that were also in ballet continue to do ballet and and get better and stronger in their routines and what they're doing and Maisie just she she's she's angry she's frustrated you know this injury just feels like it's keeping her from being able to do what she wants to do and she de- yes yeah, she does start taking it out, her anger out on her family and just her, her temper tantrums and her moods and this and that and everything. But we do learn about, you know, culture from her mom and you know, where her, even where her stepfather grew up and stuff like that. Because he also is from, you know, the reservation and everything. It's just, it was a good book. I did enjoy it. Sometimes Maisie's moods just kind of put me kind of in a bad mood. Like, but I, you know, I powered through it. I'm like, it's okay. She's a kid. She's gonna get, you know, through the... Sometimes it just, it feels like when the main character is either going through something and they're just lashing out at friends and family, it's just it's kind of hard to root for them sometimes. But then again, I mean, you look at it, we're all human. We all have different emotions. We all get angry at things. And we all tend, you know, once in a while probably tend to lash out when we don't mean to because sometimes you keep all of that in, it's like the only other place for that you to direct it is outward. I definitely read a lot of middle grade, and I still do. Uh, Occasionally I do read a YA book, Young Adult. This is by Jordan Taylor. It is called The Paper Girl of Paris. This was released May 26th, 2020. And this is also historical fiction and a dual novel of two points in time, where present day and also World War II. Now, 16-year-old Alice is spending the summer in Paris, but she isn't there for pastries and walks along the Seine. When her grandmother passed away two months ago. She left Alice an apartment in France that no one knew existed. An apartment that has been locked up, locked for more than 70 years. Alice is determined to find out why the apartment was abandoned and why her grandmother never once mentioned the family she left behind when she moved to America after World War II. With the help of Paul, a charming Parisian student, she sets out to un cover the truth. However, the more time she spends digging through the mysteries of the past, the more she realizes there are secrets in the present that her family is still refusing to talk about. Then. So we have the now, the present, and now we're going into the past. 16-year-old Adeline doesn't recognize Paris anymore. Everywhere she looks, there are Nazis, and every day brings a new horror of life. Under the occupation... Where she, when she meets Luce, or Luke the dashing and enig leader of a resistance group Adeline feels she finally has a chance to fight back but keeping up the appearance of being a much admired socialite while working to undermine the Nazis is more complicated than she could have imagined as the war goes on Adeline Adeline finds herself having to make more and more compromises to her safety to her reputation and to her relationships with the people she loves the most now I'm gonna be the first to say here I liked this book. I didn't love this book. Um the problems I had, it just I'm trying to figure out I think honestly part of me preferred the present to the past in this case, because in the book it's about the girl and the place that her grandmother, you know, left her and she's talking about the relationship she had with the grandmother but in the past. I mean, we do get a little bit of her grandmother, but we hear more from her grandma's sister. That's who Adela- Adeline is. That's um Alice's grandma's sister that we hear more about and how she is, you know, joining the resistance against the Nazis and everything and being an informer, and I don't want to spoil any more than that, but it just, I don't know, it just, it felt, it was okay. I just feel like I've read better historical fiction than, than this one. Not that the author didn't do a good job, but it just, I've read better. I did also read the, reread the first Harry Potter book, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. But we all know the plot to Harry Potter, so... The next book I read is by Ellie, Ellie Schwartz. Oh, um... Yeah, the Paper Girl of Paris set cover. It's cute. It's got, um... Again, with the sky, it's also got... The... Houses from over in Paris. The ones that are all kind of shoved together. And it's got, uh... Where it says... Paper, it's, like, international envelope with the red and blue crisscross shapes. Um, Girl of, uh, we have World War II planes. Paris, the A in Paris is the Eiffel Tower. And, of course, also, again, a cloudy sky. It's more of an overcast sky, it's not really, it just, you look at the cover and it's like, wow, this just looks grim, and just, like, you look out at an overcast, cloudy day, and you're like, the doldrums. But yes, the next book I read, Finding Perfect by Ellie Schwartz. I have read her other books, I am anxiously awaiting the next book that she writes, uh, Smart Cookie, and Give and Take, those are the other two. Oh, her newest book that's coming out next year's got a cover to it. <gasps> oh, when's it come out? February, okay, that's not bad. February's only, what, teen months away. <laughs> uh, but anyway, okay, Finding Perfect. This is a cool cover. I love all of the covers that there's always they're always creative and they kind of give way to the characters or maybe a little the plot here we have the word finding is just in regular turquoise font all lowercase then we have the word perfect in all uppercase let's see so perfect is a little post-it note and a pencil then we have the e which I'm not sure what those are supposed to be um, um, the R is a licorice a twistler and I'm just gonna say those look like red hots or something those little hard red candies uh, the F is pink paper clips the e is a sharpie and then two sh- uh, three sharpie marks for the e and then another little um. Not a post-it note, but it looks like a bunch of little post-it notes, like a little stack for the C, and then the T is like five er little mini erasers, and then, of course, there's the ruler that says, keeping it together, comma, inch by inch. This is by... And also, the cover, if you look closely, there are a bunch of little numbers here. 752, 720, you know, I'm not going to go and read all of them, because there's... But it's... I love it when authors, well, the authors really don't get a say in their cover. But I love it when whoever illustrates the cover, they put a lot of work into it and they're really creative. And they tie it into the story. I mean, how many, I mean, and again, you know, this is middle grade. So we gotta appeal to, you know, the kids, right? Whereas it seemed like for the longest time <laughs> in the early You know, teens, like 2011, 2012, 2010. A lot of YA books, whether it's either sci-fi, it's dystopian, it's whatever. So many covers are of girls in dresses. And the book barely has anything to do with a girl in a dress. Seriously. Okay, so. I'm going to read the synopsis. Now i got to drink a drink of water. Oh my goodness gracious sake. Oh, my goodness. It's amazing how the mouth gets so dry when you're talking. Jeremy's going to say, you have podcast voice. Because he'll notice that when my voice is, like, kind of scratchy. Like, okay, you've been podcasting. (laughs) So, okay. Tamale Nathan's, perfect is the number four. The tip of a newly sharpened pencil, number Uh, the tip of a newly sharpened number two pencil, a crisp white pad of paper, her neatly aligned glass animal figures. What's not perfect is Molly's mother leaving the family to take a faraway job with a promise to return in one year. Molly knows that promises are often broken, so she hatches a plan to bring her mother home. When the Lakeville Middle School Slam poetry, Poetry Contest... The winner is honored at a fancy banquet with tablecloths. Molly's sure her mother would never miss that, right? But as time goes on, writing and reciting slam poetry become harder. Actually, everything becomes harder. As new habits appear, and counting, cleaning, and organizing are not enough to keep Molly's world from spinning out of control. Okay, wait a minute. No, I'm, I'm starting to get flashbacks from the book. I swear, like, this has got to be the one where she has a friend that has the little bracelets that, like, the um, the woven, like, bracelets, different colored bracelets that she makes. Because I think this has got to be the one where her friend has, is trying to, like, create, like, a, a business or something like that. And by selling bracelets, like, she's trying to go for, like, an uh, an award, like, create-your-own-business type of thing. I swear that It's weird, like, you read so many books, but then little details start coming back to you. And you're like, did I read that in this book, or did I read that in a... But I swear it's gotta be this one. It's gotta be this one. Now, and you'll probably see... See, this is a character, Molly Nathans, that is dealing with... OCD. In another book by Ellie Schwartz, a character is dealing with um, another disorder. And again, this cover is gorgeous and gives way to buy all the little things on the cover. I'm going to read this one just because it's an amazing book. Twelve-year-old Maggie knows her new baby sister who smells like powder isn't her sister for keeps. Izzy is a foster baby awaiting adoption. So in a day or a week she'll go to her forever family and all that sweetness will be gone. Except for those things Maggie's secretly saving in the cardboard boxes in her closet and under her bed. Baby socks, binkies, and a button from Bud the Bear rocks, sticks, and candy wrappers. Maggie holds on tight to her things, her pet turtle, her memories of Nana, and her friends. But when Maggie has to say goodbye to Izzy, and her friend gets bumped from their all-girl trap-shooting squad to make room for a boy, Maggie's hoarding grows far beyond her control, and she needs to find the courage to let go. So yes, both these books are about characters that are dealing with a compulsive problem. You know, obsessive-compulsive disorder. Um, The character of Maggie is dealing with hoarding, where she's, you know, she can't let go of things. Like, it's like saving the receipt from uh, your first date. I mean, it's nostalgic and everything, but at some point you got some things have to you can part with like you're always going to have the memory and while I'm at it I mean while I'm on Ellie Schwartz let's uh ooh, ooh, let's look at uh, this new oh, the cover looks gorgeous and like I say all of her books all seem to have thing you know pictures on the cover like little things like we got oh a guinea pig We have the main character, she's got her hair, this, uh, by the way, this book is called Dear Student. It will be coming out February of 2022. We have a guinea pig. We have a girl with a, with brown hair and a braid. She's wearing a teal shirt. It looks like there's a wolf howling at the moon. She looks like the character, her name might be Cat. Because her laptop has a rainbow sticker and um, K-A-T. There's also a newspaper. There's a Polaroid of what well, looks like her maybe her best friend. There's, I don't know whether those are lilacs. There's a snake. There's, looks like some markers. Maybe a gel pen. What are the? Oh, those are going to be like, those look like little Debbie... Like the cream in the middle with the chocolate cake on either sides. Um, That looks like that could either be a journal or a book. There's also an iguana. It looks like there's also some postcards. And of course, my favorite, the background of the cover is red. I love, uh, but let me, okay. So February 15th, 2022, mark your calendars. I'm gonna read I know and I will then I will get back to my list of the books I've read in 2021. Okay. Oh, okay, so the character's name is not KAT. <laughs> the character's name is Autumn. Okay. When Autumn becomes the secret voice of the advice column in her middle school newspaper, she is faced with a dilemma. Can she give fair advice to everyone, including her friends, while keeping her identity a secret? Starting middle school is rough for Autumn after her one and only BFF moves to California. Uncertain and anxious, she struggles to connect with her new classmates. The potential friends she meets could not be more different. Bold Logan, who has big ideas, and quiet Cooper, who's a bit mysterious. But Autumn has a dilemma. What do you do when the new friends you make don't like each other? Oh boy. When Autumn is picked to be the secret voice of the Dear Student Letters in the Hillview newspaper, she finds herself smack in the middle of a problem with Logan and Cooper on opposite sides. But before Autumn can figure out what to do, the unthinkable happens. Her secret identity as Dear Student is threatened. Now it's time for Autumn to find her voice, her courage, and follow her heart, even when it's divided. This book sounds amazing. So it's, I mean, it's interesting that her other books have followed in the same vein of the character is trying to, I'm not saying overcome um, compulsive behavior, but they're trying to deal with it in a way, adjust to living their life and also... Any ways to cope with having, you know, everyday life and coping with having a compulsive behavior or disorder. Uh, Smart Cookie is another one I had read. This would have been back, uh, back last May 2020. I don't think this character, um, this character, this cover's cute, though. It's got a, <laughs> I always mista- mistook this for, like, a young uh basset hound, but it's actually a beagle. Knows, um, there's also a jar of chocolate chip cookies. It says, smart cookie on it. And it's got a teal background. Oh, and it says, when your family is missing an ingredient, you have to get creative. So I want to read this one, too. Sometimes you need to keep a few secrets. Frankie knows she'll be in big trouble if Dad discovers she secretly posted a dating profile for him online. But she's determined to find him a wife, even if she ends up grounded for life. <laughs> That's funny. rhymes. Frankie wants what she had before mom died, a family of three, two is a pair of socks or the wheels on a bicycle, or a busy weekend at the B&B where Frankie and dad live. How wild would that be to live in a bed and breakfast? Probably about as wild as it would be to live in a hotel. <laughs> three is a family and frankie's is missing a piece but operation mom is harder to pull off than frankie expects none of the possibles are very momish the b&b's guests keep canceling and frankie's getting the silent treatment from her once best friend and there's a maybe ghost hanging around worst of all graham and dad are definitely hiding secrets of their own If a smart cookie like Frankie wants to save the B&B and find her missing piece, she's going to have to figure out what secrets are worth keeping and when it's time to let go. This was also... All of Ellie Schwartz's books are amazing, hands down, 100%, all the way. Alright, the next book I read, Becoming Muhammad Ali by James Patterson and Kwame Alexander. This book I read, of course, February Black History Month. This is about Muhammad Ali. Actually, uh, Cassius Clay, who became later became known as Muhammad Ali. From two heavy hitters in children's literature comes a critically acclaimed biological, biographical novel. Excuse me, of cultural icon Muhammad Ali. This utterly delight story about Ali's childhood as a smash hit. Before he was a household name, Cassius Clay was a kid with struggles like any other. Kawami Alexander and James Patterson joined forces to vividly depict his life up to age 17 in both prose and verse, including his childhood friends, struggles in school, the racism he faced, and his discovery of boxing. Readers will learn about Cassius's family and neighbors in Luke. Louisville, Kentucky. And how after a thief stole his bike, Cassius began training as an amateur boxer at age 12. Before long, he won his first Golden Gloves bout and began his transformation into the unrivaled Muhammad Ali. Fully authorized by and written in cooperation with the Muhammad Ali estate and vividly brought to life by Dawood Anya, I am so sorry I cannot pronounce this last name Dynamic artwork Becoming Muhammad Ali captures the budding charisma and youthful personality of one of the greatest sports heroes of all time I liked it I really enjoyed I really didn't know much about Muhammad Ali or who he was prior Cassius Clay the illustrations were really good as well I thought they were done very very well Another book I read for February for Black History Month is Take Back the Block. This was published January 26th, 2021. This is by Christelle D. Giles. Wes Henderson has the best style in sixth grade. That and hanging out with his crew, his best friends since little kid days, and playing video games is what he wants to be thinking about at the start of the school year, not the protests his parents are always dragging him to. But when a real estate developer makes an offer to buy Kensington Oaks, the neighborhood Wes has lived his whole life. Everything changes. The grown-ups are supposed to have all the answers, but all they're doing is arguing. Even Wes's best friends are fighting, and some of them may be moving. Wes isn't about to give up the only home he's ever known. Wes has always been good at puzzles, and he knows there has to be a missing piece that will solve this puzzle and save the oaks. But can he find it before it's too late? Exploring Community, Gentrification, Justice, and Friendship, Take Back the Block introduces an irresistible sixth grader and asks what it means to belong to a place and a movement and to fight for what you believe in. This was an amazing book. I have not read, I don't believe I've read a book that deals with a community that's being taken over by development and a group of you know, tenants or homeowners that have to fight to keep their homes and be able to stay where you know they they live and everything like that. I mean, wow. I I just I thought it was done very very well. I liked the character of Wes. I liked his friends. I like how the kids all banded together to bring the adults together. Like, hey, let's have a a block party. And try to remind everyone what it was like, you know, the good old days of growing up here and all the fun we had and the cookouts and the music and everything. And you'll raise awareness about what we'd be giving up if we went with the the land developer that basically just wants to take out all the houses and put up like condos and stuff and charge high, high rents. The next book I read, and this book especially, being it is 2021 and a hundred years ago in 1921, this historical event happened. This is called The Angel of Greenwood. It is by Randy Pink. This book I read February 15th. Well, I finished it February 15th, 2021. But I actually read this on my Nook. I have been reading a lot of getting a lot of books on my Nook just because... Sometimes I I don't know why, but just being in the hotel room, it's just I just find, found it easier just to read on my phone. And it's like I'm saving my physical, you know, hardbacks and paper, you know, paperbacks for when I get back, you know, get into the new apartment and everything like that. Okay. A historical YA novel that takes place during the Greenwood Massacre of 1921 in an area of Tulsa, Oklahoma, known as the Black Wall Street. 17-year-old Isaiah Wilson is on the surface, a town troublemaker, but is hiding that he is an avid reader and secret poet, never leaving home without his journal. A passionate follower of W.E.B. Du Bois. He believes that black people should rise up to claim their place as equals. 16-year-old Angel Hill is a loner mostly disregarded by her peers as a goody-goody her father is dying and her family's financial situation is in turmoil also as a loyal follower of booker t washington she believes through education and tolerance <coughs> excuse me that black people should rise slowly and without forced conflict though they've attended the same schools isaiah never noticed angel as any but a dorky, Bible-toting church girl. Then their English teacher offers them a job on her mobile library, a three-wheel, two-seater bike. Angel can't turn down the money, and Isaiah is soon eager to be in such close quarters with Angel every afternoon. But life changes on May thirty-first, 1921, when a vicious white mob storms the community of Greenwood, leaving the town destroyed and thousands of residents displaced. Only then, Isaiah, Angel, and their peers realize who their real enemies are. This book was amazing. It captured this time in history that I, until reading this book, I didn't even know that this had taken place in history I had no idea but being it's the 100th anniversary I mean this is the best time definitely to raise awareness um another book by Brandy Colbert who wrote the middle grade book The Only Black Girls in Town also has a book coming out and it's more it's called Blackbirds in the Sky the Story and Legacy of the 1921 Tulsa Race Massacre this comes out October 5th, 2021. And this reads more whereas Angel and Greedwood is a dual narrative by two characters. This one reads more I get I don't know if you want to call it bi biography um or more it's more informational and facts. And it's not so much taking a characters narrative and putting them in where everything is taking place and how it personally affects this is <clears throat> let me read the synopsis a searing new work of nonfiction okay so this is a nonfiction book from award-winning author brandy Colbert about the history and legacy of one of the most deadly and destructive acts of racial violence in american history the tulsa race massacre In the early morning of June 1st, 1921, a white mob marched across the train tracks in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and into its predominantly black Greenwood district, a thriving, affluent neighborhood known as America's Black Wall Street. They brought with them firearms, gasoline, and explosives. In a few short hours, they'd raised 35 square blocks to the ground, leaving hundreds dead. The Tulsa Race Massacre is one of the most devastating acts of racial violence in U.S. history. But how did it come to pass? What exactly happened? And why are the events unknown to so many of us today? These are the questions that award-winning author Brandi Colbert seeks to answer in this unflinching nonfiction account of the Tulsa Race Massacre in examining the tension that was brought to a boil by many factors white resentment of black economic and political advancement the resurgence of white supremacist groups the tone <coughs> excuse me the tone and perspective of the media and more a portrait is drawn of an event singular in its devastation but not in its kind it is part of a legacy of white violence that can be traced from our country's earliest days through reconstruction, the civil war or the civil rights movement in the mid-20th century and the fight for justice and accountability black Americans still face today. The Tulsa race massacre has long failed to fit into the story Americans like to tell themselves about the history of their country. This book ambitious and intimate in turn explores the ways in which the story of the Tulsa race massacre is the story of America and by showing us who we are points to a way forward. I will definitely be picking up a copy of this book when it comes out in October. But going back to Angel of Greenwood I really liked the characters of Isaiah and Angel. Isaiah really didn't His dad, I think, passed away when he was young, so he only really hears snippets about the kind of person his dad was, and he's being raised by a single mom. Angel, her father is not in good physical condition. And, of course, her mother tries to make ends meet financially by braiding the hair... braiding hair, straightening hair of some of the girls in the neighborhood. She earns money doing that and I I thought she also does either housekeeping or laundry or something. Maybe that also could have been um, Isaiah's mom. And Isaiah hangs out with um, this, gosh I wish I knew what the guy's name was. I know it started with an M. And because... Isaiah hangs out with this guy who's kind of bad news. He's a bad seed. His the friend's dad is also you know, a man about town. Openly cheats on his wife and everything. And It seems like a uh, friend of Isaiah's just gets him into trouble and everything like that. And that's why Angel... And also Isaiah's friend is always talking trash about Angel. Like, oh, that girl. You don't want to hang out or be seen with her. She's just a goody-goody church girl and everything, but Isaiah, and angel's teacher, she's an English teacher, and she's just, the stuff that Isaiah writes in his journal, like these poems and everything, it just literally brings tears to the eyes, it's just writing, it's just so beautiful. And she makes a mobile library out of, like, this old bike that's got It's got like two plastic bins tied to it for books that, you know, she delivers on the weekends to kids in the neighborhoods that aren't really, they don't really get, I don't know if they get to go to school or whether they just don't have access to, you know, books and stuff like that. So she takes it in herself. To have Isaiah like fix the spike for me, so we can get it ready. So that way, you two get to be in charge of taking these books to those neighborhoods. And I, I like that both Isaiah and Angel are coming from two different forms of belief. Of the, um, you know Isaiah with the passionate follower of Web Dubois Dubois Dubois. Dubois I can't and. Angel, of course, follows, you know, the lessons of Booker T. Washington, who both have different views of how, you know, black people should live their lives and everything. And they're both just not really hearing each other out and kind of putting down each other's beliefs. Where the teacher is like, you both need to actually just listen to each other. You both have really good ideas, but. I just, I I like the teacher bringing them together. Overall, it's just, the story is really, really good. I definitely, definitely go and pick it up. I would love actually to pick up a a hardcover copy because I have it on my Nook, but it's just, it's just a beautiful and powerful story. Like I said about something, I I didn't even, until this book came out, I'd never even heard of it. I'd never heard of the 1921 Tulsa Race Massacre. So yes, that is Young Adult. Moving on, of course, to middle grade, Tune It Out by Jamie Sumner. This actually, I re- is this, let me see. Okay, yes, this is <laughs> the last book I finished in the apartment before we moved to the hotel. Tune It Out was published September 1st, 2020. All right. From the author of the acclaimed Roll With It comes a moving novel about a girl with sensory processing disorder who has to find her own voice. After her whole world turns upside down, Lou Montgomery has the voice of an angel, or so her mother tells her and anyone else who will listen. But Lou can only hear the fear in her own voice. She's never liked crowds or loud noises or even high-fives. In fact, She's terrified of them, which makes her pretty sure there's something wrong with her. When Lou crashes their pickup on a dark and snowy road, child services separate the mother-daughter duo. Now she has to start all over again at a fancy private school far away from anything she's ever known. With help from an outgoing new friend, her aunt and uncle, and the school counselor, she begins to see things differently. A sensory processing disorder isn't something to be ashamed of, and music might just be the thing that saves Lou, and maybe her mom, too. Real quick, before I continue with that, of course, I want to do these covers real quick. Take Back the Block, of course, has Wes with a white t-shirt, and it's got like a purple rectangle going across it with a white stripe. Also, very colorful houses. It, the leaves on the trees look like fall with the orange and the yellow. You see the roofs of the houses. You see the skyline in the background. Very, very beautiful cover. Take Back the Block is in, like, two different shades of blue. Like a light sea blue. And then the other one is, like, a, a turquoise greenish blue. Angel of Greenwood has a red-black red background with the character Angel front and center and it looks like there are flames in the background with buildings that have been desecrated by being burned down. Just rubble and you also see some people in the distant background that could be townsfolk from from the town. Tune it out it, the cover is gorgeous. It, it's Tune It Out is, like, a light peachy yellow tone. And it's got music notes. It's also got a black... The cover is, like, dark blue with a little swirly whirlwind. And then we see the main character, Lou, with her cowboy boots, which are red on the bottom and then white. And then the guitar case that has a bunch of different stickers on it. She also you can tell she's wearing earbuds. Probably noise cancelling earbuds. Now when I first read this synopsis, I was really confused where it said, oh the ups, so Lou of course being the main character. Quinny, what are you doing? Are you okay? Hmm? You okay? You got the sniffles? What's wrong, babe? Hold on. Hold on, baby. Yeah, Quinn's okay. I think she just got some water up the nose because she was kind of, you know, snorting. She's alright, though. So, one thing, and I don't really think it's a spoiler how Lou ends up Her mom ends up uh, going away for a little bit um, and she gets and Lou ends up going to stay with her aunt and uncle because I was confused as to when it said um, Lou crashes their pickup on a dark and snowy road. Her mom was actually working as a waitress and Lou usually would go and pick up her mom. Lou's like 12 years old. She should not be behind the wheel of a vehicle of any kind for any reason. And being the road was slick, she ended up hitting something and the cops end up showing up asking questions like, what are you doing? Staying in your car? Don't you you know, have a home or something like that? Because... And mind you, it's cold and it's winter. She's trying to stay warm and, you know, her mom gets out at a certain time from her job. She just goes up just a little bit off the road to get her. And unfortunately, weather... The winter weather has other plans, apparently. And her mother ends up being arrested. And Lou ends up going to child services and then being sent to live with her aunt and uncle. But this honestly is a really good book. Jamie Sum this is the second book I believe I've read by Jamie Sumner. I follow her on Instagram. Her first book, Roll With It, also a very good book. Hey Quinn. And she has a new book coming out. At the very end of August called One Kid's Trash and I'm going to read the synopsis for that. From the acclaimed author of Roll With It and Tune It Out comes a funny and moving middle grade novel about a boy who uses his unusual talent for decoding people's trash to try to fit in at his new school. Hugo is not happy about being dragged halfway across the state of Colorado just because his dad had a midlife crisis and decided to become a ski instructor. Oh my gosh. It'd be different if Hugo weren't so tiny, if girls didn't think he was an, he was adorable like a puppy in a purse and guys didn't call him leprechaun and rub his head for luck. But here he is, The tiny new kid on his first day of middle school, when his fellow students discover his remarkable talent for garbology, the science of studying trash to tell you anything you could ever want to know about a person, Hugo becomes the cool kid for the first time in his life, but what happens when it all goes to his head? Oh boy. Ooh. That's never a good thing. I am looking forward to reading that. Like I said, roll with it and tune it out. I loved her books. I love the characters. I love the friends these characters make. And I love how in this book, the boy that makes friends with Lou, he is just so cool. It's like on her first day at that new school, after she sees, you know, the school psychiatrist and everything, she wants to keep that on the DL. And this kid is just, he is determined, like, you and I are going to be best friends. Because I think he doesn't live too far away from where she's staying at her aunt and uncle's house. And he even introduces her to these other kids in this drama club and everything. And she gets to learn how to be with, with other, other kids and stuff, and, and the teacher's just really, really cool of this uh, drama music. I think they're putting on, like, a, a play or a musical or something. And so that really... And we know that Lou has sensory... Sensory processing disorder, so she's having to handle that among going to a new school... With new kids. And she really doesn't want the other kids to know that she's... You know, dealing with this. So. But I just... I love how the kids are just... They're so welcoming. They are so welcoming to her. In the in this club. I love books where you just fall into the book. And it's... Honestly, it feels like coming home or it feels like curling up in a blanket and just being comfy cozy and just the characters are great. You want to be best friends with them. You you just uh, everything. This is a YA book. I have read this author's other um, a couple of her other books, a series that I started way back in like. Let me go all the way back here. Eve, it's a dystopian. It came out in 2011 when uh, dystopians were literally all the rage in the early aughts, 2010 through maybe, I'd say, 2013 when they started to, uh, you know, Hunger Games, Divergent, and then you have all these others that want to be the next big Hunger Games or Divergent and um, Eve, Once, and Rise. I only read Eve. I have the two others. It was a thing where I, I loved the first book. I really liked the second book. And then by the time the third one came out, I'm like, I forgot. Like, who, who's this person? Who's that person? What happened? So, it's one of those things where it's like, I'll have to go back and reread the first book again. Uh, so, this new book Anna Carey wrote is also... Looks like it's going to be a series or a trilogy. This is not the Jess... Can I cannot talk to save my life? This is not the Jess show. <laughs> and it has similar vibe to The Truman Show. What I've been hearing people... I, I saw The Truman Show on DVD eons ago, back when Jeremy and I were dating. I liked the movie. I would probably have to rewatch it again. But uh, this book is really... <laughs> the cover is amazing. It's got a kind of purplish background. It's got... This is not in the that part of the title in teal lights. And then it's got the Jess show. And Jess show is also like a lit up sign. We also see her bedroom here, which is really cool. It's reminiscent of the 90s. We got Romeo and Juliet, movie poster, Leonardo DiCaprio Claire Danes. We got a Leonardo DiCaprio picture, which I'm sure I had that on my wall. Um, Landline phone, (laughs) lava lamp, all things 90s. But let me read you this premise because it was cool. I really enjoyed it. Black Mirror, which I've not seen that show, meets My So-Called Life. I did watch that in the 90s. The main character's name was Angela. (laughs) Uh, Meets My So-Called Life in this fast-paced, timely YA thriller... Really? Thriller? I don't think that. I don't think it's a thriller. About separating fact from fiction and how far we'll go to create our own version of reality. Like any other teenager, Jess Flynn is just trying to get through her junior year without drama, but drama seems to keep finding her. Between a new crush on her childhood best friend, overprotective parents cramping her social life, and her younger sister's worsening health, the only constant change is the only constant is change, and her hometown of Swickley, which feels smaller by the day. Swickley is getting weirder by the day, too. Half the population has been struck down by a mysterious flu. Conversations end awkwardly when Jess enters the room, and then one day, a tiny, sleek, black device with an Apple logo on it falls out of her best friend's backpack and lands at Jess's feet. Okay, Amazon actually gives a better synopsis, so I am going to read this. The year is 1998. Titanic just won six Oscars. Six Oscars. Boy bands are dominating MTV's airwaves, and like any other teenager, Jess Flynn is just trying to survive high school. Between a crush on her childhood best friend, overprotective parents, and her sister's worsening health, the only constant is their hometown of Swick Swickly, which feels smaller by the day. Jess is resigned to her small-town life until the day she discovers a mysterious device with an Apple logo, causing her to question everything and everyone she's ever known. As more cracks appear in Jess's world, she faces a choice. Can she live the rest of her life knowing it's a lie, or should she risk everything for the truth. A fast-paced, mind belling YA thriller packed with 90s pop culture references and perfect for fans of Black Mirror. This is not the just show. We'll keep readers guessing until the very end. Yeah, I, oh, I, I dove into that book and I'm like, if there's a sequel, bring it because I'm ready for it, right? <laughs> Another book that I just thought of that I gotta think of again before I I forget. (laughs) Yes, this book kind of gives me similar ish vibes. I actually read this back in 2012, so almost 10 years ago. The Future of Us. This was co written by Jay Asher, who a lot of you will know wrote the book 13 Reasons Why, and Carolyn Macker. I gotta drink some water again. Ugh. I tell you, my voice just... There we go. Okay. So, yes. Oh, my goodness gracious. (laughs) My fingers are moving faster than my mouth. Yeah, this came out November 21st, 2011. The Future of Us. It's 1996, and Josh and Emma have been neighbors their whole lives. They've been best friends almost as long at least up until last November when Josh did something that changed everything. Things have been weirdly, things have been weird between them ever since, but when Josh's family gets a free AOL CD, guys, it's 1996, come on. In the mail, his mom makes him bring it over so that Emma can install it on her new computer. When they sign on, they're automatically logged out Onto their Facebook pages. But Facebook hasn't been invented yet. And they're looking at themselves 15 years in the future. By refreshing their pages, they learn that making different decisions now will affect the outcome of their lives later. And as they grapple with the ups and downs of what their futures hold, they're forced to confront what they're doing right and wrong in the present. Of course, you know, this is why a book. I give it a 3 out of 5. I, I liked the, the premises, but hooked me immediately. That kind of stuff hooks me like no tomorrow. It really, really does. Well, set in the past, but something from the future pops into play. And it's the whole kind of what if scenario. I just, I'm fascinated about that. It's just cool. The cover is really awesome, too. It shows a teenage boy and girl, and it's got, like, a bunch of computer codes kind of, you know, covering their faces. They're kind of blurry and stuff, but it's really, really cool. I would would definitely recommend it. All right, so this is the third book of the author, (laughs) Annie England Noblin. She writes... I don't know whether you call it contemporary adult fiction, but this is Sit, Stay, Speak. (coughs) Which, honestly, if I had to rate this, I would definitely say, like, this would be, out of the three I've rated, this would be on the lower end. She's written St. Francis Society for Wayward Pets, and Pupcakes was actually the first book of hers that I had read. But uh this is this is a good book, echoing the novels of Mary Alice Monroe, Allie Larkin, and Holly Robinson. This charming debut novel tells the unforgettable story of a rescue dog that helps a struggling young outsider make peace with the past. Addie Andrews is living a life interrupted Tragedy sent her <coughs> excuse me, tragedy sent her fleeing from Chicago to the shelter of an unexpected inheritance. Her beloved aunt's somewhat dilapidated home in Eunice, Arkansas. Population, very tiny. There she reconnects with some of her most cherished childhood memories. If only they didn't make her feel so much. People say nothing happens in small towns, but Addie quickly learns better. She's got an elderly next-door neighbor who perplexingly dances outside in his underwear, a house needing more work, then she has money, a best friend whose son uncannily predicts the weather, and a local drug dealer holding a massive grudge against her. Most surprising of all, she's got a dog, but not any dog, but a bedraggled, bedraggled puppy who she discovers, ab- discovered abandoned, lost, and in desperate need of love. Kind of like Addie herself, she'd come to Eunice hoping to hide from the world, but soon she discovers that perhaps she's finding the way back to living, laughing, and loving once more. Um, <clears throat> I, I liked this book. I did, it, but it just, it felt like an areas that kind of dragged, especially with the supposed relationship between her and um, the love interest. A lot of just back and forth, back and forth will they won't lay to the point where I'm like either do it or don't do it. I don't care at this point. But I I liked the character. I liked this book actually it's the plot oh, kind of does ring a little similar with the plot of St. Francis for Wayward Pets. Which I'll read that one real quick. If you love Susan Mallory and Jill Slavis, you won't want to miss this new novel of Second Chances Dogs and Knitting from the author of Pupcakes and Sit-Stay Speak. Laid off, cheated on, mugged, What else can go wrong in Maeve Stevens' life? So when she learns her birth mother has left her a house, a vintage V.W. Beetle, and a marauding cat in the small town of Timber Creek, Washington, she packs up to discover the truth about her past. She arrives to the sight of a cheerful bulldog abandoned on her front porch, a reclusive but tempting author living next door, and a set of ready-made friends at the St. Francis Society for Wayward Pets, where women knit colorful sweaters for the dogs and cats, in their care. But there's also an undercurrent of something that doesn't sit right with Maeve. What's the secret besides her that her mother had hidden? If Maeve is going to make Timber Creek her home, she must figure out where she fits in and unravel the truth about her past. (coughs) Excuse me. But is she ready to be adopted again, this time by an entire town? I loved this book. I really really loved this book. But just the Kind of the same formula of a character finding out they've inherited a house. They're coming to a town where everyone knew your relative. And they're just trying to integrate yourself into... (coughs) Guys, I want to apologize for constantly coughing into the microphone. I don't know what it is. I think it's my voice. Alright, and then... And another. (laughs) Another adult historical fiction book. Surviving Savannah by Patty Callahan. This is the first book of hers I've read. It was released March 9th of 2021. This is one I actually just went into a Barnes & Noble and bought the physical copy. The cover of Sit, Stay, Speak is adorable. It's got a looks like a how do they say it? Like, gray is kind of like a blue color for a little pit puppy. A pit bull puppy. American Staffordshire or pit bull however you want to call it. Adorable adorable puppy. It's got white paws. It's gray, gray blue fur. And it's sitting on like I don't know whether it's a deck, because in the background, kind of faded, there's like a fence with grass on the ground, and sit-stay-speak is in oval red on the front. So, Surviving Savannah, actually another piece of history that I had no idea that had ever occurred, but if you know me, I'm a sucker for historical fiction. When Savannah history professor Everly Winthrop is asked to guest curate a new museum collection focusing on artifacts recovered from the steamship Pulaski, she's shocked. The steam, sh- this ship sank after a boiler explosion in 1838, and the wreckage was just discovered 180 years later. Everly can't resist the opportunity to try to solve some of the mysteries and myths surrounding the devastation or the devastating night of its sinking. Everly's research leads her to the astounding history of a family of 11 who boarded the Pulaski together, and the extraordinary stories of two women from this family, a known survivor, Augusta Longstreet, and her niece, Lily Forsyte, who was never found along with her child. These aristocratic women were part of Savannah society, but when the ship exploded, each was faced with difficult and heartbreaking decisions. This is a moving and powerful exploration of what women will do to endure in the face of tragedy, the role fate plays, and the myriad ways we survive the surviving. I like this book. Like I said, I'm cray-cray for historical fiction. The only thing that I felt really bogged this story down was the three points of view. That just, a lot of, it's like, it it just seemed like the historical fiction part, like in the past, with you have Augusta and Lily's, you know, separate POVs, and then you have Everly in the present. And I kept wanting to go back to the present for a bit. Because it just felt like the past... Three POVs is too much for me. Honestly. Two tops. Because it did feel like the story was getting bogged down in that. And it just it wasn't progressing. I mean, I did rate it 5 out of 5. I thought it was very well researched. You can even look up Patty Callahan... On YouTube, and she'll talk about the research she did preparing for the book and everything like that. But, like I said, this is another part of history. I, I mean, we've all heard of the sinking of Titanic, one of the world's most famous sinkings, sinking ships. And just, you don't hear much about uh, the Pulaski. I mean, you can look online and stuff. And I did that after I got this book and I was reading it because I was intrigued. And it just doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of stuff about it. There's, I mean, you really had to dig deep. I mean, authors, historical fiction writers especially, they go that, Ruta goes the extra mile. She has at least, what, a couple years or so between books when she's traveling and doing research and interviewing and all of this stuff just to make these books just amazing. And I thought, like I said, the other didn't do a bad job. It just, the POVs are too much. And half the time, I'm trying to, like, who am I? Am I reading about Lily or am I reading about Augusta? I can't remember. So, the next book, of course, middle grade, is Starfish by Lisa Flip. Uh, Lisa Phipps, not Flips. Ugh. <laughs> this was released March 9th, 2021. This actually was a book I picked up from the local library nearby. They happen to have it. So, but when it actually um, is released, probably in paperback, I will definitely pick up a copy because it's a beautiful book. This is another one that is in verse, but it is just, it is such a strong, strong character narrative, narrative book. Ellie is tired... ...of being fat-shamed, and does something about it in this poignant debut novel in verse. Ever since Ellie wore a whale swimsuit and made a big splash at her fifth birthday party, she's been bullied about her weight. To cope, she tries to live by the fat fat girl rules, like, "...no making waves," in quotes, "...avoid eating in public," in quotes, "...and don't move so fast that your body jiggles," in quotes. And she's found her safe space, her swimming pool, where she feels weightless in a fat-obsessed world. In the water, she can stretch herself out like a starfish and take up all the room she wants. It's also where she can get away from her pushy mom, who thinks criticizing Ellie's weight will motivate her to diet. Fortunately, Ellie has allies in her dad, her therapist, and her new neighbor, Catalina, who loves Ellie for who she is. With this support buoying her, Ellie might finally be able to cast aside the fat girl rules and starfish in real life by unapologetically being her own fabulous self. Yes, her mom is honestly... I'm gonna call her a flat-out villain in this book. This is... She goes... To the extreme when it comes to her daughter's eating habits, to the point where she will even reach into her daughter's mouth and say, What are you eating? What do you have in your mouth? And physically go and take whatever her daughter's eating. when she's like, Oh, are you eating a Twinkie? Spit it out. And then she'll she'll put her hand in her daughter's mouth and like start like scraping the food out of her mouth. Like and even her husband finally, Ellie's dad has a step in like this needs to stop now. And finally, she's able to, Ellie, I'm trying to think whether or not she actually goes to a couple psychiatrists that just are not a good fit for her. And she finally does find one that really works well with Ellie. Really, really sympathizes with what she's going through and helps Ellie be able to confront her. Her mom. Also, another thing is Ellie's brother is a big jerk in this book, and he's always saying like, "Oh, well, we could go to this water park if Ellie didn't have to come with us," or, "Oh, we heard you broke a chair in class or something." Like, there's uh, I'm said as much. I'm gonna about that chair breaking scenario. That is, uh, yeah. But even, I think even in this book, like, Ellie does find refuge in the library. I swear she does. <clears throat> Night on Fire is the next book that is by, let me hold on. I want to see um, Lisa Flips. Another thing. This cover is beautiful. It, it has a girl with a bathing suit. It's orange and it's got ferns on the bathing suit or tropical plants. Uh, The font, Lisa Phipps and Starfish, are a darker blue where we have her starfishing basically arms and legs are are spread out and you just see the broken up water underneath her. Really cool cover design. I really, really like it. Surviving Savannah, the cover... Has a character not facing the camera. She's facing away from the camera. She's on the deck of a ship. We have the... I'm trying to think of where this... what Pennsylvania or something? Where the ship Pulaski um, took off from. But also a lot of... Uh, whether they're steel mills or whatever. Emitting a lot of smoke up into the air. And mixing with... The sky and the sunset or whatever. it's, And the buildings and the ships and everything. It's it's a cool cover. I really like that one. Um, whoopsie. Wait. Night on Fire is the next middle grade. It is by Ronald Kidd. I don't know why I struggled on Ronald. <laughs> uh, this cover is amazing. It's got two girls. One who has a ponytail. The other one. It's just his hair that's kind of flipped up at the end. And one of them, the girl with the ponytail, is ringing the bell. Looks like they're in a church tower and there's fire just outside the window. This is going to be uh, historical fiction. This is another book I picked up from the library. Thirteen-year-old Billy Sims doesn't think her hometown uh, hometown of Anniston, Alabama, should be segregated. but a f- f- But few of the town's residents share her opinion. But few of them. Okay. As equality equality spreads across the country and the civil rights movement gathers momentum, Billy can't help but feel stuck and helpless in a stubborn town too set in its ways to realize that the world is passing it by. So when Billy learns that the Freedom Riders, a group of peace activists riding interstate buses to protest segregation, will be traveling through Anniston on their way to Montgomery, she thinks that maybe change is finally coming and her quiet little town will shed itself of its antiquated views but when she starts but what starts as a series of angry grumbles soon turns to brutality as anniston residents show just how deep their racism runs the freedom riders will resume their ride to montgomery and Billy is now faced with a choice, standing idly by and silence or take a stand for what she believes in. Through her own decisions and actions and a few unlikely friendships, Billy is about to come to grips with the deep-seated prejudice of those she once thought she knew and with her own inherent racism that she didn't even know she had. This was... This was a real eye-opening book. Again, I had heard about the Freedom Riders through... I believe it was the movie The Butler? Which is... On, I think it's still on Netflix. It is really good. It's a Lee Daniels film. Stars the late Robin Williams and Forrest Whitaker. It's just really, really amazing. So yeah, this character, Billy, her... Mom and dad. She has a little brother. You know, a mom and a dad. She also has a housekeeper, who has her own daughter and her own life and everything like that. And Billy somehow um, ends up becoming friends with her housekeeper's daughter, who who is black, and her you know her housekeeper is is black and everything. And they're just seeing you're seeing different sides. Of how, you know, whites are acting against blacks and then the hatred and prejudice and racism and all of that stuff. But you're also, I really, I think this would have been great for dual narrative. So we could hear her, Billy's housekeeper's daughter's POV and what she's kind of going through. Because, I mean, you see somewhat in her actions and and stuff like that. But it's just this really would have worked also i mean it works great but it would have worked even better with a dual narrative so her um billy's next door neighbor is a boy she kind of has a little crush on she's 12 and it's i'm trying to remember what his whether his name was aiden or something and he's a wannabe photographer his dad well wannabe he is a photographer Uh, he's a budding photographer and his dad works for the paper and stuff so he goes out with his dad on you know these when they get a bit of news like oh the freedom writer is going to be coming through our town let's see if we can go to the bus depot and get pictures and everything and you know they talk about the riots and everything happening and but anyway overall I I really like I said I enjoyed the book I thought it was good I really would have loved to have heard from Billy's housekeeper's daughter and her, you know, their, her and Billy's growing friendship and everything and coming together. Hopefully, I don't think I spoiled really much in saying that. Meow or never, this has got to be one of the most adorable covers I've ever seen. If you're a cat lover, which I am, I'm any. I love dogs too. It's called Meow or Never. It's a wish novel by Jazz Taylor. This book was published January 5th, 2021. It has, the background is kind of a light teal, like sea foam green kind of cover. The word meow is in fuchsia pink, the word or is in white, and the word never is in orange. And it's got this adorable gray cat, and it's got like little like red, white, and pink heart and it's got a little heart on it's nose I read this one at the end of April and this actually would be perfect also for June for Pride Month as well if you're looking for a Pride Month read A heartwarming story of secret pets and secret crushes, and learning to take center stage. Avery Williams can sing, but that doesn't mean she can sing in front of people. She likes to stay backstage at her new school, which which is where, to her surprise, she finds a cat tucked away into a nook. Avery names the stray cat Phantom. And visits anytime she's feeling stressed, which is a lot these days. As she sings to Phantom one day, her crush Nick overhears her and ropes Avery into auditioning for the school's musical. Despite her nerves, Avery lands the lead role. She knows she should be excited, but mostly Avery is terrified. Can Phantom help her through her stage fright? And what will happen if anyone finds out about her secret pet? So yeah, Nick... Avery has a crush on a girl named Nick and the book kicks off like right after Christmas vacation in January when it's going back to school. So Avery does definitely suffer from anxiety and she's at the bus stop. Nick is at the bus stop and on the way she was walking to the bus stop. She's thinking like, what can I say? You know, something simple like, hey, how was your Christmas vacation? What kind of gifts did you get? And... Nick kind of opens the door there for that conversation to happen. Like, hey, how was your Christmas vacation? And Avery can't even get a a word out. She's like, oh, my God, stupid, stupid to it. (laughs) So, yeah, they're both taking the drama class. And Avery's got this amazing voice. And she's too scared to death to share it with anybody. But one day, I guess everyone else is filing out of the auditorium And there's this, like, it's not a broom closet. It's like, it's like some kind of closet thing. (laughs) Whatever it is. She hears a noise. She opens the door and out pops this. The cat probably couldn't, probably looks about a year old or so. The cat looks well fed too. So, but anyway, the cat comes and goes and Avery finds... Someone that she can confide in her, her secrets or her, her her crush on Nick, and then we also have another girl that also is part of the drama club that Avery also befriends and stuff like that. And it's just, you know, she's Avery is dealing with her, you know, her. I think her mom actually. I think her parents are divorced, and whether she hasn't seen her mom since she was young. And it's just, you know, her dad and her older brother and guys, they just, they don't get it. They don't get, you know, her... It seems like her dad and her brother just want to kind of play off Avery's anxiety. Like, it's, oh, you're making a big deal out of nothing, or this isn't... You're making it harder than it is, and all of this. They're not taking it seriously. But... And I do feel for Avery. I really, really do feel for her character and what she's going through. You know, being a teenager, it's hard. You have all these emotions running through you, hormones, all of that. It's just trying to make sense of everything and just trying to go on your day-to-day life and just, you know, organizing everything. Like, how does everything fit and how do I fit into it? But I really enjoyed the book. Um, I did read this on my Nook, too. The next book... Young Adult. The Thing with Feathers by McCall Hoyle. This came out September 5th, 2017. I'm trying to think when I even. I think this book popped up on my radar probably a couple years ago, and I might have. I had actually gotten it on my Nook, but. And I think I had read, like, not even the first chapter, and then I kind of, like, discarded it, but then I went back to it. But I really like this book. And then the author put out another book. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get this one too. And I read it right after. And it's kind of cool because the next book is kind of like... it's a, It feels like a companion book because it's about the same town. The character in this book is mentioned in the second book. It's really cool. So, The Thing with Feathers by McCall Hoyle. Emily Day believes in playing it safe. She's homeschooled. Her best friend is her seizure dog. And she probably... She's probably the only girl on the outer banks of North Carolina who can't swim. Then, Emily's mom enrolls her in public school, and Emily goes from studying at home in her PJs to halls full of strangers. To make matters worse, Emily is paired with starting point guard Chatham York for a major research project on Emily Dickinson. She should be ecstatic when Chatham Chatham shows interest, but she has a problem. She hasn't told anyone about her epilepsy. Emily lives in fear her recently adjusted meds will fail and she'll cease at school. Eventually the worst happens and she must decide whether to withdraw to safety or follow a dead poet's advice and dwell in possibility. Yeah, she has this adorable golden retriever for, for her seizure dog. And of course she knows if she brings the dog... To school, Like, eventually she does get allowed to bring the dog to school. But she's a little hesitant, like, if I do... Because she's kind of keeping the epilepsy thing under wraps. And she doesn't... You know, if I bring him to school, everyone's going to want to know why he's there. And then I'll be the seizure girl or the epilepsy girl. And I just... She's kind of keeping it kind of under her hat. Just, the whole thing is like... And the thing is she strikes up a deal with her mom where her, she says, "Okay, let's give homeschool let, let's give public school a try for three months, and then if you don't like it, we can re-examine and even her therapist suggests like it wouldn't be bad to get out and go to public school but then again, she's like seventeen years old and she's been homeschooled up to this point. Can you imagine going to a school where everyone's known each other since they're like five years old and then trying to adjust to -to day-to-day, you know, going to classes and being with other kids your age when you, she pretty much hasn't. She's been homebound, you know, since she was young and stuff like that. So it's like, how do you deal with all of that? And having a medical condition on top of it? I thought the book was amazing. It was just so, so good. Like Chatham, I thought Chatham. I thought he was great. There's another character in there that she befriends that's also cool. Her mom, I think, is a bit overprotective. Granted, I get it. You know, her her daughter has has a medical condition, and she's she's trying to be be a mama bear, and you know, she's kind of turning out to be kind of a helicopter parent. And it's just like Emily's got to set some boundaries. Like, mom, you have to trust me that I can take care of this and everything like that, so. Oh, another thing, yeah, that's right. Another thing is Emily's dad had passed away and her mom is starting to date again and that is really difficult. So that's another wrench and, you know, it used to be just the two of us and now mom is seeing this, I think his name was like Roger or Richard or something like that and it's just just too much on this girl's plate. (laughs) I mean, anyone who's dealt with a parent. That has started dating again, regardless of whatever age you are, that is a hard pill to swallow sometimes. Honestly, especially if your parent, the other parent has passed away. I think that's more, probably even more hard than, say, if uh, your parents are just divorced and your parent that you live with has started to, I mean... I'm not saying it's not difficult, but I'm just saying it seems like it's even harder when your other parent has passed away and then your current parent who you live with is starting to enter the dating circle again and it's just, just, just. next book I read by McCall. I think I've run these back to back. Meet the Sky. And this has got a really cool cover. It's blue and turquoise green together like night sky and Everything, and it's got clouds, and it looks like it's got, I don't know whether that's supposed to be like a palm tree or a tropical frond tree or something, but you can see it kind of waving in the wind. I finished this on May 14th. When did I finish the other one? I finished the other one May 10th. <laughs> so yeah, I ran them back to back. Okay, so this one is called Meet the, S- the Sky. It's set in the same town that Emily lives in. It all started with the accident, the one that caused Sophie's dad to walk out of her life, the one that left Sophie's older sister Meredith barely able to walk at all. With nothing but pain in her past, all Sophie wants is to plan for the future, to keep the family business running and get accepted to veterinary school, and protect her mom and sister from another disaster. But when a hurricane forms off the coast of North Carolina's Outer Banks and heads right toward their island sophie realizes nature is one thing she can't control after she gets separated from her family during the evacuation sophie finds herself trapped on the island with the last person she'd have chosen the reckless and wild Finn sanders who broke her heart freshman year As they struggle to find safety, Sophie learns that Finn has suffered his own heartbreak, but instead of playing it safe, Finn's become the kind of guy who goes surfing in the eye of the hurricane. He may be the perfect person to remind Sophie how to embrace life again, but only if their newfound friendship can survive the storm. I really like this book. Just, um, I don't really read a lot of books about characters that want to be, like, veterinarians and stuff. I think we need more books like that. (laughs) We really, really do. Uh, Also, wild horses is another thing. Um, Her and her family run a horse business. Uh, I think it's like a training facility where you can learn to ride horses. Also, there's talk of wild horses that run on the beach, and that when the hurricane hits, there's horses out there on the beach that you could get. Because there's a fence like that divides. The beach from where the wild horses can run and where they can't. And being um, Sophie is a budding veterinarian, you know, she can't just let an animal get hurt and not do anything about it. Even though they say, like, you're not supposed to go up to a wild horse. I mean, if they're trapped, that's just, that's not safe. Because they're wild, they can bite, they can kick, you can get injured. I, I I really, really liked it. It was good. I would highly recommend it. Especially, gosh, for right now. I mean, I don't want to throw this out there with, you know, the hurricane that's going to hit Florida and all that stuff, but this book does have a hurricane happen in it. Now, this author did actually just this year put out a middle grade novel, her first middle grade novel called Stella. It actually is from the point of view of a dog. Even dogs deserve a second chance. Ever since she was a puppy, Stella was trying to use her powerful beagle nose to sniff out dangerous chemicals and help her handler keep people safe. But during a routine security inspection, Stella misses the scent of an explosive. The sound of the blast is loud and scary. Unable to go back to work because of her anxiety, Stella is retired as a working dog. When a young girl named Chloe wants to adopt Stella, the beagle knows this is her last chance to prove her worth. But how? When Stella smells a strange chemical inside Chloe's body, a scent that surges just before the girl has a seizure. Okay, so this is another character that has a seizure. Okay, Stella's nose makes the connection, but how can Stella warn her new family without them thinking she's having an anxiety attack? How can she convince others that she can be a new kind of service dog and hopefully save Chloe's life? Told from Stella's perspective, this story is about a special dog who must find the courage to overcome her fears in order to save a young girl with epilepsy. So this, th- this is interesting because I, the only other book I can recall where it's from a dog's point of view and they can tell there's something wrong with their owner. Um, actually, a couple of them. The Art of Racing in the Rain by Garth Stein, which was made into a movie a couple years ago. And a dog's... I think it's... A dog's journey, not a dog's purpose. Where... Um, the The dog in transition is learning how to... Sniff for for cancer if a if a person you know patient has cancer, and they do do studies of that. There are also you know dogs can be used as service dogs for so many things, not just mental and physical, but also detecting cancer, diabetes, epilepsy. So many things out there that dogs. And another thing, um. Dogs in courtrooms for children that have to testify against, you know, other people. The dogs are brought in to help calm the child and help them be able to open up and share their stories. So, it's just amazing how how dogs can do that. The cover was really cute too. Uh, the book Stella had a beagle puppy with a girl sitting outside... You know, her back is against a tree. It's just cute. This one, of course, I read May 16th. The Best Worst Summer by Elizabeth Yulberg. And I think, honestly, by far, this is my favorite book I've read so far since summer summer got going. Even though I read it back in May. I gave it five stars. So this is actually a dual narrative as well. A middle grade story about two summers, three decades apart, and the box of secrets linking them together. This is going to be the worst summer ever for Peyton. Her family just moved, and she had to leave her best friend behind. She's lonely, she's bored, until she comes across a box buried in in her backyard with a message. I'm so sorry, please forgive me. Things are about to get interesting. Back in 1989, it's going to be the best summer ever for Melissa and Jessica. They have two whole months to goof around and explore, and they're even going to bury a time capsule. But when one girl's family secret starts to unravel, it's clear things may not go exactly as planned. alternating chapters from Peyton in present day to Melissa three decades earlier a time with no cell phones no social media and camera film that took days to develop but also a whole lot of freedom a story of a mystery that set that two sets of characters will never forget that that, uh, this book I'm telling you Everything, everything, everything. everything, And there are other books of this author's, uh, Elizabeth Yulberg, that I've read. Um, One in particular, Past Perfect Life. This one came out in 2019. I read it in 2020. So I'll read the synopsis for this one. Small town Wisconsin high school senior Allison Smith loves her her life the way it is, spending quality time with her widowed father and her tight-knit circle of friends, including best friend Marion and maybe more of the friends Neil. Sure, she is stressed out about college applications. Who wouldn't be? In a few short months, everything's going to change big time. But when Allie files her applications, they send up a red flag because she's not Allison Smith. And Allie's make that Amanda's ordinary life is suddenly blown apart was everything before a lie who will she be after and what will she do as now comes crashing down around her this was an amazing book that it really some areas took me by surprise it's definitely a mystery you gotta kind of wonder like how did this happen and what happens now so, the cover for Best Worst Summer, it's really cool. It has a picture of two friends from the 80s. It's a Polaroid. <laughs> and also, there's a friendship bracelet. Okay, so the two friends from the 80s. One's wearing rainbow puff-sleeved shirt, thats and she's got dark uh, dark black hair, then the other girl that she's hugging is got a white shirt with a pink vest and a pink barrette, and she's got brown hair. There's also on the cover a friendship bracelet, a mixed tape, a mixed cassette tape, half of a best friend's heart-shaped necklace, and of course... There's a cell phone with a picture of a girl with her hair pulled back in a ponytail, red shirt, blue jeans, and a boy with dark hair, glasses, with a blue and green striped shirt, and looks like olive green army pant- um, cargo pants or shorts, and he's in a wheelchair. And the cover is just so cute, and it just everything about it just screams summer. Plus the title, Best Worst Summer in yellow font with kind of a turquoise again, seafoam green background with the portaroid and then the picture on the cell phone. It's just, I-, I love this book. I love this book. Another book that actually was not that long. It was only 208 pages. I read this on my Nook. The cover is outstandingly gorgeous. It's a girl with kind of reddish-brown hair and a braid. And she's wearing a tank top with yellow shorts. She's on what looks like a red, like, flat board. Like, one that one would use for, like, I I don't know. Not boogie, boogie board, but... Um, it's also got a paddle. We got... A couple kids in the background, two boys. One has brown skin and black hair, the other one. Is white with red hair. There's also a black dog. There's also a couple of beavers. The book is called Rescue at Lake Wild by Terry Lynn Johnson. This actually is the first book of hers that I have read. I gave it five stars and I read this on May 27th, 2000. I finished it on May 27th, 2001. Came out April 27th, 2001. So. And the book, like I said, it's only 208 pages. It went by fast, but it was really good. In this funny and moving animals in peril adventure, a 12-year-old girl and her two best friends determined to rescue two orphaned beaver kids and soon find themselves trying to solve a local environmental crisis. <clears throat> Everyone knows that 12-year-old Madison, Maddie Lewis, is not allowed to bring home any more animals. After she's saved hairless mice, two birds, a rabbit, and a stray tomcat that ended up destroying the front porch, Maddie's parents decide that if they find one more stray animal in the house, she won't be allowed to meet Jane Goodall at an upcoming gala event. But when Maddie and her two best friends, Aaron and Jack, rescue beaver kits whose mother was killed, they find themselves at the center of a local conspiracy that's putting the beavers and their habitats in danger. As Maddie and her friends race to uncover the threat targeting the beavers, Maddie must put her animal whisperer skills to the test in both raising the orphaned beaver kits and staying out of trouble long enough. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, this it was a cute but it immediately made me go to YouTube and look up, you know, beaver kits, little baby beavers, and they're just so cute. They're just so adorable, but just I love how the author she must have clearly, you know, researched, you know, and saw beavers and stuff like that and just watched how they interact with each other and their mannerisms and everything. She got this down. And then I'm like, oh, I love it when books encourage me through their writing and their characters to go and research on my own, whether it's learning about animals or a historical event or or whatever. So this next book, actually, this book's got a really awesome cover too. It's like a peachy orange and it's got a food truck that is also orange and it's got like a bunch of pies in the food truck window. And this is actually a series. It's called, well, a series. I think it's going to be like a trilogy, probably. Uh, The Great Peach Experiment. And then underneath it says, When life gives you lemons, make peach pie. This book was released April 6, 2021. So, and I did give it five stars. (laughs) I'm, yeah. I finished this on June 6, 2021. So the thing that's funny about this book is, I put it on hold of the library, got it at the library, started reading it, and we, like couldn't get into it. So I'm like, okay, I'll send it back to the library. And then I'm like, I'm just going to get it on my nook. So I got it on my nook. And, I, and the thing is, with that another thing, like I said, I'm not a fan of three points of view. Because we get Lucy, we get her brothers, Herb, and Freddie, I think. Her middle brother. Because Lucy's the oldest, and I love how The thing with this, I'm going to read the synopsis and then we'll go from there. This charming, hilarious, and touching middle grade novel is about a family searching for a way to reconnect as a family after the loss of the kid's mother. They decide to honor her memory by living out one of mom's lifelong dreams, taking a road trip, and selling pies out of a newly acquired food truck. I want to see if Amazon has more of a broader description. Okay, so Amazon does actually have a broader description, which I'm going to read. <clears throat> Mix together a used food truck A road trip that doesn't exactly go as planned And a lot of pie And you have the recipe for this sweet middle grade series Starter brimming with humor Heart and a family you'll fall in love with Perfect for readers who gobble down The Penderwicks I haven't read that And the Vanderbeeks of One Forty One Street Which I will I did buy the the Vanderbeeks Of One Forty One Street I haven't read it yet uh, definitely summer is the time for road trip books. Especially you know if you're going on trips and stuff, it's like bring a book about a road trip. That's just screams summer. Sweet summer has taken a rotten turn after a tough de- <sighs> After a tough year, Lucy, Freddie, and Herb. Peach, or uh, their last name is Peach, are ready for vacation. Lucy wants to read all of the books on the summer reading list, and I loved how when I was looking at her summer reading list, like, I've read like quite a few of these books. I'll, I'll go into the book and like read down the list of all the books that she's got to uh, read after I read the summary. After a tougher, after a tough year, Lucy, Freddie, and Herb are all ready for vacation. Lucy wants to read all the books on the summer reading list. Freddy wants to work on his art projects when he isn't stuck in summer school. And Herb wants to swim every day. Then their dad makes a big announcement. One of the inventions their mom came up with before she passed away has sold and now they're millionaires. But dad has bigger plans than blowing the cash on fun stuff or investing it. He's bought a used food truck. The peaches are going to spend the summer traveling the country selling pies. It will be the great peach experiment. A summer of bonding while living out one of mom's dreams. Summer plans sunk and there's one more issue dad neglected. None of them knows how to bake. A perfect blend of humor, heart, and family antics. When life gives you lemons, make peach pie is a delectable treat to be gobbled down or savored slowly. Slice of pie on the side, optional, but highly recommended. Okay, so here is the suggested reading list for incoming 7th graders. This is for the character Lucy. Lucy. <clears throat> Research has shown that 30 minutes of daily reading in the summer helps build reading skills and comprehension. Please select, and it has select at least two novels of your choice crossed out to read them. And then it's put, uh, Lucy put all of these books. So, I'll read them and I'll tell you what ones I've read. The War That Saved My Life by Kimberly Brubaker Bradley. I read it. Brown Girl Dreaming. I haven't read it yet. The Shadow Children. Okay, Brown Girl Dreaming by Jacqueline Woodson, Shadow the Shadow Children series by Margaret Peterson Haddix, Refugee by Alan Gratz. I do have it. I haven't read it yet. The Outsiders by Essie Hinton. I read it in eighth grade. Loved it. The Penderwicks by Jeanne Birdsall. One Crazy Summer by Rita Williams Garcia. Fish in a Tree by Linda Malayle Hunt, which I do. Have I haven't read it. The Remarkable Journey of Coyote Sunrise by Dan Gimmenhart, which I do have it. I read it, I loved it. Orphan or <clears throat> Orphan Island by Laura Laurel Snyder. Amal Unbound by Aisha Saeed. A tree grows in Brooklyn. Oh, I love a tree grows in Brooklyn. She is gonna love Love, love, Francie Nolan. That's by Betty Smith. Rebound by Kowami Alexander. Read that one. March by John Lewis. The Seventh Wish by Kate Messner. The Bridge Home by Padma Venkatram. I'm sorry. Uh, The Thing About Jellyfish. I, I think I do have that. I'm not sure. Jellicoe Road by Melina Marchetta. Island of the Blue Dolphins by Scott O'Dell. Echo. Oh, I loved Echo by Pam Munoz-Ryan. Ghost by Jason Reynolds. I have it. I haven't read it yet. Genesis Begins Again by Alicia D. Williams. I have it. I haven't read it yet. Ex- ex- ugh. Insignificant Events in the Life of a Cactus by Dusty Bowling. Have it. Haven't read it yet. A Night Divided by Jennifer A. Nielsen. I own it. Just haven't read it. Amina's Voice by Hannah K. K-, 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 K- H- a. J. N. I've read that one. I got the sequel. The Ethan I Was Before by Allie Standish. I haven't, haven't read it. Breadcrumbs by Anne Yersu. Julie of the Wolves. Jean Craighead George. The Parker Inheritance. Ugh! One of my favorite books. some reads. Oh, loved it. Loved it. Loved it. By Varian Johnson. And Front Desk, of course, by Kelly Yang. She actually uh, put out the second book... Last year, three keys, and then her third one, Room to Dream, that uh, the third book in that series comes out this September. So I gotta I gotta reread Front Desk, so I can read Three Keys, so I can read Room to Dream when that comes out. But those are the books that the character Lucy has on her. She's gonna attempt to read. I don't think she's read. She, I don't think she gets through them all. But one thing that irritated me. Was her dad? The thing is, Lucy is since her mother passed away, she has taken on the responsibility of taking care of her little brothers. While her dad is constantly, he's like I don't know whether he's a college professor or a scientist, something in that regard. But he's always tied up with work. It's like he's using work as an excuse to deal with you know the loss of his wife and not wanting to be you know with his kids and everything. So the fact that one of his, his wife is also a sign, scientist in building stuff and one of her inventions sold and they got a million dollars for it which is amazing. I can't remember what the invention was but he takes it upon himself gets this old food truck that is just a piece of junk it's got live mice roaming around in it which the younger brother Herb who's about eight seven or eight, <laughs> takes these little three little baby mice and puts them in this glass fish tank. And that, that's what his project is going to be <laughs> for the summer. Well, i say what he really wants to do is, well, let me just tell you. So the dad buys a food truck, says, hey, we're going to travel. We're going to, one of your mom's great plans that she always wanted to do was drive around in a food truck and make peach pie. So that's what we're gonna do. And he spends the money on this dilapidated food truck, and it's like, well, we're gonna live in this, you know, the van, and just, you know, camp and stuff around, and just travel and sell, you know, peach pies. And I'm just like, well, they do do peach pie, I think they do french silk and some other pies. And the thing is, so, her... His plan is the the youngest peach kid. He wants to go swimming every single day. And he's really good with numbers. Whereas Freddy, the middle child, is... And I, I, I honestly, I don't know. and I don't want to type him as being autistic. But he just... He has a... A, way, a particular way about him On how he views things Also in the book there are a lot of illustrations Done by Freddie. Hey Quinny And also Lucy wants to make it her goal To read you know all the books On the summer reading list And it's just her her dad Just throws this at the kids Like hey I did this thing We're all going to do this even though we don't know how to bake We'll learn along the way And I guess he did do some research along the way and And all that and he wants to enter the like the last stop because he's going from like Minnesota through Michigan and all these other places. And the end goal is to go to this Ohio. I think it's in Ohio. This food truck contest that the winner gets ten thousand dollars. So, but the thing is, the kids don't know how to bake. It's it's summer. It's hot. They just run into one obstacle after another. And the kids don't want to do this. They really, I mean, they give it their best effort. But, and basically at one point, the dad just starts breaking the promises that he's like, oh yeah, don't worry, little Herb. We can go and, you know, we'll stop and you can go swimming here, there, and wherever along the way. And, oh yeah, Freddie wanted to, like, stop at, like, the oddities, different Leo places along the way, like, hey, it's got the world's tallest ball yarn, or this and that. And I'm trying to remember what Lu- Lucy just wanted to read, you know, these books. But the dad just irritated me so much. He's expecting so much from these kids. He throws his whole plan into action without even really truly consulting you know the kids about it and what they want to do and then the fact that they just don't want to do it anymore after a while it's like we're not getting you know they're spending more money than they're making overall and it's just the dad just goes ballistic at some point and just starts yelling at the kids like no your mother wanted to do this and we're gonna do this because we're a family and lucy finally tells him it's like because along the way, he's also, like, answering emails from his job at the college, and, you know, he's been writing papers and all this stuff, and it's almost like he's starting to disappear back into his work again, along while these kids are trying to keep this food, food truck afloat and everything like that. And, then, and Lucy finally blows up at her dad and says, hey, you're the one who wanted to do this. Don't just disappear on us again, because you're afraid to be a parent. And you're disappearing into your work again. And it's like you're breaking all the promises that you promised that we'd all be able to do this as a family, and this would bring us closer together. When in turn, it's kind <clears> of <throat> going in the you know in the opposite direction here. Like instead of bringing us closer together, you're drifting farther apart. Like it's <laughs> the dad just really irritated me. He really got in my craw. But I, def- I gave it five stars. There is another book I think that's probably going to be coming out sometime next year. Or maybe 2023. I don't know. It just depends on the authors and, you know, how they write the books. And the books have to be edited and every- all that fun stuff. So, yeah. Definitely, I would definitely, like, some of these would be great summer reads. I mean, you could read them anytime, But definitely, I mean... When Like Give You Lemons Make Peach Pie could be a good summer one. Rescue at Lake Wild is also set during the summer, the best worst summer also set during the summer. Starfish I think is during the school year. <clears throat> so the next one after that, this is a YA and I crave these type of books for whatever reason. This probably would have been an interesting book to read. When we were all in quarantine, lockdown, whatever For all of 2020 It's called And the thing is, this book was published in 2013 So (laughs) I'm like Eight years (laughs) Past when it originally came out It's called A Oh my goodness, my voice I'm going to lose it by the end of this uh, (laughs) This podcast episode You can probably already tell my voice is starting to Sound a little hoarse A Matter of Days by Amber Kaiser, which was published June 11, 2013. This is another one. I read this on my Nook. Gripping and Poignant, A Matter of Days takes readers on a heart-stopping journey of love and survival. New York Times bestselling author Carrie Jones, their new reality begins in just a matter of days. On day 56 of the Blue Star pandemic, 16-year-old Nadia's mother dies, leaving Nadia to fend for herself and her younger brother, Rabbit. Both have been immunized against the virus, but they can't be protected from what comes next. Their father taught them to, in quotes, be the cockroach, to adapt to and survive whatever comes their way. And that's their mission. Facing a lawless world of destruction and deprivation, Nadia and Rabbit drive from Seattle to their grandfather's compound in West Virginia. The illness, fatigue, and hunger they endure along the way will all be worth it once they reach the compound. Unless no one is waiting for them. Fans of Rick Yancey's The Fifth Wave. I bought that when that book came out, and I just... (laughs) that was a thing. Honestly, back in the in the in the teens and stuff when I was like constantly I was watching booktubers on YouTube. They're all getting these books like I got to get this book because I get this book and then it sits on my shelf for umpteen years and I I think I still have it. It's somewhere in my tote of books. <laughs> many, many totes of books. <laughs> I'm sure I'll get to it eventually. they Although, but then I guess there's a sequel and a third book and just people are like, oh, the second Second book slump is the biggest, biggest thing when it comes to a trilogy of books. Like, the first one is awesome. The second one, it either nails it or it fails. And the third one is like, why are... But then again, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. Part of me, like... After the Hunger Games and uh, Divergent, in my mind, Divergent was a pale comparison to the Hunger Games. I mean, it was good, but it just felt like it was there just because, you know, it was riding the coattails, it was riding the wave, and so many of these dystopia-type books were either hit or miss. And it was all like, hey, this is what's hot right now. Let's all write a book about dystopian and it'll be published. Like when people were writing books about vampires and werewolves and stuff when twilight was out so yeah this okay um also fans of ricky ancy's the fifth wave sd crockett's after the snow haven't read that cormac mccarthy's adult novel the road which i guess was also made into a movie an exciting apocalyptic road trip i really i devoured this book i went through it so so fast and it was just it was so good That's the thing though, when you look at reviews before you read a book, sometimes they have been known to sway me into not reading a book. That's just the thing, you gotta not, you gotta go with your gut. Give it a chance. Let your own mind decide whether or not you like it. What comes next? This is by Rob Booyah who also wrote the Mr. Trump series and the Perfect Score series as well. I I'm going to flat out say this. I I don't cry barely, hardly at all when it comes to books. I just, I don't. A book really has to hit that nerve for it to drum up any tears. The Fault in Our Stars was the first book to ever accomplish that. And this middle grade book honestly is no different. What Comes Next by Rob Booyah. This book actually was released June 8th of 2021. Again, I read it on my nook. It's not a very long book, but it hits. Big time. From the beloved author of the Mr. Trupt Imperfect Score series comes this standalone middle grade novel about a girl who is dealing with the tragic loss of her best friend. And the dog that helps her forge new friendships and find happiness once again. 12-year-old Thea and her family are moving to a new town for a fresh start. Her parents, bright idea. To Thea, it feels like running away. She lost her best friend Charlie in a tragic accident, and in the painful aftermath, she has gone mute. Her two younger sisters, however, are excited about moving, especially after their dad promises that the family will get a rescue puppy. This doesn't change Thea's mind, though until Jack-Jack bounds into her life and makes it clear that he is no ordinary dog. As she bonds with Jack-Jack, and as the dog's... Oh my goodness, I'm starting, to, I'm starting to tear up again just reading this. And as the dog's mischievous ways stare her towards someone she can confide in, Thea opens up the possibility of new friendships and forgiveness, and comes to believe in what cannot be fully explained. This book, this man, my gosh... Lord above just this guy knows what he's doing when he's writing he knows how to hit you in the feels, he knows how to bring characters that will forever stay in your heart it's just, it's beautiful the cover is cute too it's like a sunshine cream yellow white and it's got this beautiful dog which I don't know if the dog is actually Rabuya's dog but, I mean, it's it's a terrier dog. It's white with a brown, like, you know, ma- raccoon mask. You know, brown ears. And it's got a brown spot on its back. And this person next to it is wearing blue shoes and blue jeans. And it just says, what comes next? And th- it says, the story of a girl, a dog, and the mysteries ahead. Everybody go out there and get this book. If you don't tear up and literally just like uh, your heart wrench, heart wrenching tears out of your eyes, I don't know what to tell you, because that's what this book did to me. It it emotionally wrecked me, and I don't know whether it's just because, I mean, this guy hands an amazing author, and it could be coupling with the fact that. You know, for the longest time, for the last four months, I have been, my emotions have been here, there, and everywhere with just, you know, the uncertainty and everything of, you know, with us being in the hotel and just me trying to figure out my life and where I want to go as far as, because we're near, it. we are honestly, in two months, we'll have been in Texas for a full year and it doesn't even feel like... This doesn't feel like a first year to... It feels like with this next opportunity, it feels like a do-over year for us. Like I told Jeremy, I said, (laughs) next year, let's count next year as our first year in a way, like a do-over year where... we'd only been in our apartment for like five months. We're nearing the same amount of time that we have been in this hotel for as long as we'd been in that apartment. So I just I want what comes next to be like a do-over, a fresh start, a new beginning again for us. And for poor Quinny. Like I said, she went from a house to, (laughs) to you know, across many, many state lines to move to an apartment and then to move to a one room, hotel room and now going to a new apartment and just, that's a lot in a short amount of time for a cat to Quinny uh... what are you doing, sweetie? Baby girl <whistles> he's not here yet, pumpkin he's not going to be here for a bit she hears probably the housekeeping out in the hallway, so, uh, but yeah, we are all we are all ready to start the next phase of our life. So, here's another book that is just I would have read this one June 19th. After the worst thing happens by Audrey Vernick. This is a beautiful book again with the sky. It's got a character. Looking down the road. It's got a, a white little terrier dog. And just this girl not facing the, the the front of the cover. She's got her hair you know, pulled back into a ponytail. You know, light blue jacket on or a hoodie. And she's just looking down the road of all these houses next to one another. So this was a really good book. Another one I read on my nook. Left reeling after her thoughtless mistake causes a terrible accident, twelve-year-old Army Morand channels her grief to help someone in need. Army Morand feels like her life has been blown to bits when the worst thing. Am- imaginable happens her beloved dog dies it was an accident but it was also army's fault she can't seem to stop hiding from everything and everybody including her best friend jenna louise but then army sees madison the little girl who moved in across the way climbing a tree and walking down the street unsupervised her family is not neglectful just overwhelmed Army finds herself overcome with the need to help Madison's family to make sure another worst thing doesn't happen, which becomes even more challenging when a big storm threatens her town. Yes, her little brother's name is is Navy. It's just funny, like her name is Army, her little brother's name is Navy, and her parents actually, I believe this is also set in North Carolina. Her parents have a business which is helping, preparing people for disasters, hurricanes, aftermath of disasters that happen to your home. You know, they prepare kits of bottled water, of food, just necessities, batteries, flashlights, whatever a person needs to kind of brave the storm and everything. And even those that have had storm damage due to their houses – Army's parents are the ones that go and take care of everything. This was such an amazing book. Again, it's, it's not a long book, it's 224 pages. And I kind of made a deal with myself in my head. Like, any, th- any book that's, say, not over 300 pages, I'm just getting it as an ebook. Because ebooks are like 10 bucks, where a middle grade hardcover is $17. So I just, it feels like I would rather pay the hardcover price if the book is fairly, very lengthy. If that makes sense. Uh, The last book I finished, of course, for the month of June, Pride Month. It's called Almost Flying, and it's a really cool cover. It's got the main character and her friend on a roller coaster and a couple of other, you know, some other friends and stuff. And it's just really, really cool. they um, but let me, oh, oh, the tagline is, there's no bigger thrill than your first crush. This is by Jake Maya Arlo. And I'm sure I mispronounced the middle name. Okay. So here we go. In this unabashedly queer middle grade debut, a week long amusement park road trip becomes a true roller coaster of emotion when Dahlia realizes she has more than friend feelings for her new bestie. Would be amusement park aficionado Dahlia only has two items on her supper, summer bucket list one, finally ride a roller coaster, and two, figure out how to make a new best friend. But when her dad suddenly announces that he's engaged, Dahlia's schemes come to a screeching halt. When Dahlia's future stepsister, Alexa, heading back to college soon, the grown-ups want the girls to spend the last weeks of summer bonding, meaning Alexa has to cancel the amusement park road trip she's been planning for months. Luckily, Dahlia comes up with a new plan. If she joins Alexa on her trip and brings Rainy, the new girl from her swim team along, maybe she can have the perfect summer after all. But what starts out as a week of funnel cakes and lazy river rides goes off the rails when Dahlia discovers that Alexa's girlfriend is joining the trip. And keeping Alexa's secret makes Dahlia realize one of her own. She might have more than friend feelings for Rainy. So Dahlia, of course, this is kind of, whether or not I would list this as a trope, where Dahlia's best friend that she's known since she was like five or six starts hanging out with the popular girls and Dahlia feels left out. But she is doing swimming where she meets this new girl, Rainy, who's just recently moved in and she doesn't really... Sweetie, it's just a garbage bag. It's settling. You're fine. It's not going to attack you, okay? You're good. Right, baby? Are you good? Yeah, You're good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she meet uh, meets Rainy, and it's almost like she wants to kind of keep Rainy her own secret, because she knows, like, Rainy, where she lives is where a lot of the popular girls live, you know, the ones that have money and all that stuff. So she thinks, gosh, in the fall, when we start school, Rainy's going to hang out with these other girls that have money and are popular and all that stuff. And Dahlia's secret She loves to watch roller coaster povs. I remember occasionally Jeremy would watch those, you know, for funsies, and it's it's really cool because she, uh, Rainy invites her over to her house because it's just Rainy and her dad just living, and then of course he drops a bomb on her that. He's been dating this woman Veronica, Vanessa I think it's Vanessa for six months he had been dating her and didn't even tell his daughter his 12 year old daughter and then springs on her oh by the way She and I are getting married. I would, like, whoa, whoa, pump the brakes, excuse me. How do you keep someone secret that you've been dating from your daughter? How do you keep that secret for six months? I don't know, but apparently he does. So, anyway, Dahlia and Rainy are hanging out. Rainy loves makeup tutorials. And it turns out Rainy actually has a talent for... Doing cool makeup special effects. At her old school, she was part of the theater program and doing makeup and everything. And Dahlia shows, you know, Rainey the roller coaster point of view, POVs, and it's just really cool. And she invites her to go with her on this trip. And it's really, it's interesting because the girls had only just started to get to know each other and started hanging out and stuff. And it's like going on this week-long trip, you know, on roller coasters. And dun-dun-dun, turns out Dahlia's never been on a roller coaster. They fucked that out the first place they stop at. And Randy's a little surprised because, you know, with all the POVs, it just sounded like Dahlia knew what she was... But Delia is really she knows like all the stuff when it comes to roller coasters, like what ones are the best ones to go on, at which amusement parks, what what um certain aspects of the architecture when it comes to the roller coasters, like, oh, this one premiered and this date and just different parts of, like, the sections of the ride, like, it starts out a little bumpy, but then smooths out in the middle, and, and just, or, oh, this drop, you're not expecting it, and then it just, you know, that kind of stuff. So, I mean, she's well-versed in knowing her facts about roller coasters and watching these POV shots, but she's never actually been on a roller coaster, which, and it's really cool that, that Rainy actually says, you know, it's, it's. She's like, well, I get to be here for your first roller coaster. How cool is that? And it just... I love the friendship between the girls. I love that... There are little... There are little hints and moments. Like, does she like me? Like, you know, you know. The whole feeling of having a crush on somebody when you're that age and not knowing, like, whether they like you back. Or, hey, is it okay to, like, put my arm here? Or is this going to seem weird? Or... Can I, like, give you a high five without it not meaning something more than what it does? And this and that. But I like the book. Um, I I did like that <laughs> Z- uh, Dahlia having to get used to Alexa. And actually, Alexa's girlfriend, Sarah, is a real big help. Also, not to mention, Alexa brings along... Um, her friend got, and I feel bad because I cannot pronounce his name to save my life. I really, really can't. It starts with a D, like Dunright or something. But he's a cool dude too. He's got he's got a boyfriend too, and um, it's just really cool. It's about first experience, you know, with you know crushes and final cakes and talking about you know, waiting in line for all you know the heat just baking you while you're standing in line and just that ideal summer read 100% and perfect for I love that there is being more and more published LGBTQ plus books out there for kids for middle graders for, you're you're at that age You're trying to sort out your feelings and stuff like that. And it's like, it's good that there are books out there for kids so they don't feel ashamed. They don't feel embarrassed. They feel like they find someone in a character they can relate to. Like, hey, I'm going through the same thing. Let me read about how this character handles it and stuff like that. I I like that we're getting a broader range. This is important. This is really, really just important stuff that I think that kids need to... Be able to have someone they can relate to. So they don't feel alone. You know? Yeah, perfect for June for Pride Month. Perfect for Summer. So yeah, I finished that book on June 27th. And pretty much right now, that one came out June 8th. That is the uh, last book that I've read. Kind of that I'm going to be reading right now. Until we get settled in into the new place. And then I can... So I really just want to do... This half of 2021 of books I've read and then in the fall I will, or more likely probably closer to the end of the year, I will cover July to December. But since this review is already getting close to like three hours, I am going to do the TBR in a separate separate, um, podcast episode just because... I've covered so much. My mouth is so dry. It is so... Water's not helping. Pop's not helping. I think I need to rest my voice for you a can, little... You can probably hear it. You can hear it in my voice. It's just really like... wow, oh, Your voice is like really like squeaky or cracky or whatever. But thank you for coming along with me and listening. I hope I give you some really good book recommendations, not just for summer, but any time of the year. Everyone have a great weekend. Bye-bye.